Good morning, and welcome to St. Joseph's Collegiate Institute. As we begin this morning, let us begin as we do all things with a moment of prayer. Please stand. Let us remember that we are always in the holy presence of God. God our Father, as our general election approaches, we pray for all who will be and are in positions of leadership in our country. We pray that they may live as people of integrity and honesty, growing in a sense of duty and responsibility, always being aware of the needy and ready to be of service of others. We pray for ourselves that the Holy Spirit may inspire us and empower us so that our attitude may reflect the values of the gospel. St. John Baptist de La Salle, live Jesus in our hearts. Please remain standing for our national anthem, which will be led by our varsity singers. Good morning to everyone, and welcome to the debate for Mayor of the Queen City, Buffalo, New York. The debate this morning continues a proud tradition here at St. Joe's that began in 1984. For 37 years in this gym, we have hosted debates for every major office in our community. At the county level, county executive, sheriff, and district attorney. At the state level, the New York State Senate. At the federal level, the House of Representatives. And at the city level, in 1985, the contest for Mayor of Buffalo was one of our first debates, and it was our last debate for mayor. Once again, we have the pleasure of hosting this very important race. Although only some of the students with us today can vote next month, all of them will be participants in this important political right in the next election for this office along with many others. I encourage everyone to pay close attention 
to the ideas that are exchanged here this morning. We are very fortunate to witness a time-honored practice of political debates that go back to the founding of our nation. Long before the broadcast media existed, candidates were expected to debate and exchange ideas. Unfortunately, today, most citizens are limited to sound bites, political commercials, and a general lack of substance regarding the issues that impact our community and nation. Although many of us live in the suburbs, we clearly identify ourselves as Buffalonians. When we travel and are asked, where are you from? We inevitably, inevitably respond, Buffalo, New York. Most people not from our area have a problem with pronouncing towns with unusual names, such as Chictawaga and Tondawanda, and no one dare tries Sajakwita. The history of Buffalo is very interesting. In the early 1800s, this area was named New Amsterdam, as it was founded by the Holland Land Company. It wasn't until 1832 that the state incorporated Buffalo as a city. At that time, the population of Buffalo was approximately 10,000. Based on the most recent census, it is about 254,000 people. When the city was formed, its first mayor was elected to a one-year term, and his name was Ebenezer Johnson. Ebenezer was a member of the Democratic-Republican Party, which is today known simply as the Democratic Party. Today, the term for mayor is four years. Buffalo has had several distinguished mayors during its history, such as William Fargo, who was elected in 1862 and was the co-founder of Wells Fargo and American Express. In 1882, Grover Cleveland was elected to the office of mayor. After serving in this position for a very brief time, he was elected to the position of governor of New York and served as our 22nd and 24th president of the United States. Before we begin this debate, I would like to give our three candidates a great St. Joe's welcome. They have taken time out of their busy schedules to be with us this morning and share their views regarding a city that we know and love. Thank you. I would also like to thank the broadcast and print media for their continued interest in our debates going back over several decades. Broadcast stations 2, 4, 7, and Spectrum, radio stations WBEN and WBFO, and the Buffalo News, especially political journalist Bob McCarthy, who over the many years has regularly written several stories about the debates conducted in this gym on Kenmore Avenue. 
At this time, I would like to introduce my colleague and friend from the St. Joe's History Department, Mr. Pat McHale, who will give a brief introduction of each of the candidates and of our student panel. Mr. McHale. Good morning, everyone. Mr. Lina, did you take my sheet? No. Where is it? Live television, right? It's my privilege to introduce to you our panel for today. It consists of students from our AP government class and from the SJCI Equity and Justice Club. Reading questions for us today will be Ted Brown, Patrick Killian, Samuel Herr, and Elliot Torres. Our timekeepers for today will be Noah Denning and Kellen O'Connor. And our runners are going to be Patrick Hennigan and Evan Folsom. Behind them, we have a brigade of fact-checkers whose job it is to keep the people I'm about to introduce honest for you. Byron Brown is the incumbent Democratic mayor of Buffalo, but is running as a write-in candidate. Mr. Brown was graduated from Buffalo State College with a dual degree in political science and journalism. He held several positions as a political aide before he decided to run for office himself. He launched a successful campaign for the Buffalo Common Council to represent the Maston District in 1996, then went on to win a seat in the New York State Senate. In 2005, he would launch his first campaign for mayor of Buffalo and would go on to win four terms. He's currently seeking an unprecedented fifth term. Mr. Brown is married and has one son. Indy Walton is the Democratic nominee for mayor. Ms. Walton studied nursing at BOCES and became a licensed practical nurse, then later continued her studies at SUNY ECC, where she earned her degree as a registered nurse. She has previously served as a representative for her union, but she left, eventually left nursing to serve as a community organizer for Open Buffalo and is the founding director of the Fruit Belt Land Trust. Ms. Walton is married and has four children. Ben Carlisle is also a write-in candidate for mayor. Mr. Carlisle was graduated cum laude from the University at Buffalo both from its undergraduate program and its law school. He has been a practicing attorney in the city of Buffalo, but recently left his practice to run for mayor. He is running for mayor, according to his campaign website, to bring to the people of Buffalo a change in leadership and to tell the world what's right with Buffalo. Candidates, on behalf of the students, staff, and faculty of St. Joseph's Collegiate Institute, welcome and good luck. Thank you very much, Mr. McHale. At this time, I will quickly go over the format for today's debate. Each candidate will begin with a two-minute opening statement. Before the debate, a card was drawn to determine the order in which they will address the student body. Each candidate will be given an open-ended question from me, the moderator, at the start of the debate and each candidate will be given one and a half minutes to respond with no rebuttals. A panel of students from the AP American Government class and the Equity and Justice Club 
will ask a series of direct questions to each candidate, and they will have a minute and a half to respond. After the direct question, each of the other two candidates will have 45 seconds for a rebuttal to the direct questions that are asked. Just so everyone knows what's going on, and I informed the candidates earlier, when they have 15 seconds left on a direct question or rebuttal, a student's going to raise their hand to alert them. A bell will be rung when their time is up. They have been told they will be allowed to finish their thought or idea, but not to begin a new thought or idea. At the end of the debate, we will conclude with a three-minute closing statement from each candidate. Lastly, at any part of the debate, I reserve the right to ask a follow-up question to any of, the, any of the candidates that are with us this morning. So with that said, let's begin our debate. And our opening statement this morning for two minutes will be from Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Thank you very much, Mr. Lina. It is a pleasure to be here at St. Joe's, and I am very appreciative for you holding this debate and being part of this 34-year tradition. The city of Buffalo is better and stronger during my time as mayor of the city of Buffalo. We've cut the tax rate to the lowest level in 30 years. We are spending the most money in the history of our city on youth employment opportunities. We have hired the most diverse workforce in the history of the city of Buffalo. I have implemented community policing programs and numerous police reforms. We created the roll program to replace lead lines in the city of Buffalo. There's been over $8 billion of economic development and thousands of jobs created. And for the first time in 70 years, we've seen the population of the city of Buffalo grow. I'm asking every voter to continue the progress in our city and to uh, protect the future of Buffalo for their support and their vote in the November general election for mayor. November 2nd, please write down Byron Brown. Thank you. All right, Ms. Wallen, your opening statement, please. Two minutes. Thank you, Mr. Lina. First, thank you to St. Joe's and the moderators and the participants of this debate. This morning, I'm going to outline a bold vision for building the safe, healthy Buffalo with viable solutions to the profound challenges we face. I'm a registered nurse who's worked in critical care and in Buffalo public schools. I'm an accomplished nonprofit executive who's implemented democratically-led development of permanently affordable housing. For nearly a decade, I've worked with local policy experts to propose smart, sustainable, poverty-reducing initiatives. I'm honored to be the endorsed Democratic nominee for Mayor of Buffalo, and I'm ready to team up with our city's most qualified leaders and hit the ground running on day one. When I'm mayor, we'll finally get serious about public safety and administer evidence-based, data-driven programs that address the root causes of violence and curb the current administration's skyrocketing homicide rate. When I am mayor, we will finally stop padding the windfall profits of downtown developers and instead prioritize healthy communities with safe, stable, affordable housing for all, 
world-class public education, green jobs at union wages, and improved community police relationships. When I'm mayor, we'll finally put our, pull our city out of the poverty that has plagued us for the last 16 years of failed leadership. We will finally remediate a lead poisoning crisis that is worse than Flint's, and we will finally make sure qualities have high quality roads and sidewalks, well-maintained city parks, and livable neighborhoods. It's time for a change, and I am ready to bring about that change. Many of you will be voting for the first time in your lives, and now you finally have a choice. When people talk about low voter, to voter turnout, it's because I've often felt there's not been many choices. Now you have an unprecedented opportunity to choose progress and change for the city of Buffalo. Thank you. Thank you. Our next uh, opening statement, Mr. Carlisle, two minutes. I'm Ben Carlisle, and it's great to be here. I'm not originally from Buffalo. I moved to Buffalo when I was 22 years old and I came here for school. I didn't have any plans to stay initially, but I fell in love with Buffalo, and for the last 18 years I've called Buffalo home. I fell in love with Buffalo for reasons that a lot of lifelong residents take for granted. We hear the slogan, or what a lot of people think is a slogan or a cliche, that Buffalo's a city of good neighbors. When you've moved all around the country and you move to Buffalo, it doesn't take long to realize that Buffalo's a special place. And when you've never had a home and you finally find one, it motivates you to fight like hell to keep it a special place. I have absolutely zero experience in politics. The first thing that most people do when they decide to enter politics is to go and to kiss the ring of the party establishment. I did the direct opposite. The first thing I did when I decided to enter this race was to drop all party affiliation. I was a Democrat for over 20 years, but I left the party when it embraced riots, looting, defunding the police, anti-science mandates, and socialism. Now I support good ideas, not ideology. I support leaders, not politicians. It's time that we leave the parties and join together. It's time that we elect a leader who will put Buffalo first, not party demands first. Byron Brown is an excellent politician, but he's not a leader, he's a follower. He follows the political polls, he follows the political winds, and most importantly, he follows the wishes of his big donors and of his party bosses. Ask anyone who's ever met me and they'll tell you the same thing. I'm a leader, not a follower. I will always stand on principle, and I will never stop fighting for this city. On November 2nd, the fight for this city is not going to end. In order to take Buffalo to the next level, it's going to take hard work from the entire community. At the turn of the 20th century, Buffalo was the eighth largest city in the country. It's time for big ideas in this town again. It's time to regain our standing as a major American city. It's time for fresh ideas and new leadership. It's time to recognize our potential and then work together to get there. Thank you very much. At this point, I will ask a direct question to open the debate. There will be no rebuttal, and each candidate will have a minute and a half to respond. All three of our candidates this morning are or were Democrats. Mr. Carlisle was a Democrat. Mr. Brown is a Democrat and lost the primary to Ms. Walton, who refers to herself as a democratic socialist. This election is perhaps the most contentious election for this office in the history of Buffalo and has fractured the Democratic Party at both the state and local level. Several prominent Democrats, including the Democratic state chairman and the governor, have refused to endorse a candidate. 
However, both New York State Senators have endorsed Ms. Walden. Mr. Brown, and then we'll go th to the other candidates. What do you believe has led to this riff in the party, and do you believe it will have long-term ramifications for the party in this community and in this state going forward? Mr. Brown. Well, I think this race for mayor is important to the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, but it is also important to our nation. Our politics have gotten much too divisive. We are much too divided uh, as a community, as a state, as a nation. I don't see Ms. Walton as a Democrat. Uh, if you look at publications that she has been in all across the country, she's described as a socialist. And I think her ideas for the city of Buffalo are bad, uh, at best, uh, and unworkable. Uh, she wants to defund police. She spent months screaming through a bullhorn uh, that she was demanding that our police be defunded. She wants to raise our taxes immediately. She wants to go after other elected officials up and down uh, the ballot. I don't see that as democratic principles, and I don't see that as someone who will lead with love and respect for others, which I think is critically important uh, for our democracy. Thank, thank you. Ms. Walton? I am the endorsed Democratic nominee for mayor of Buffalo. We'll start with that. I won the Democratic primary. Um, secondly, I am a self-avowed Democratic socialist. The first word in that is Democrat. But what socialism means is that I want the same things that most of us want. I want safe, stable, affordable housing. I want a quality education for my children. I want people to have access to health care. I want folks to be healthy, happy, safe, and whole. And I don't think there's anything irresponsible or radical about that idea. I think the fact that I am endorsed by Senator Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand proves that I'm not the divisive candidate. I am the candidate that is the bridge that is bringing the progressive part of the Democratic Party together with the more moderate part of the Democratic Party. But the one thing that I want to stress is that the Democratic Party is the party of everyone in and no one out. We want to provide good quality living wage jobs. We want to make sure that we're taking care of our environment and our planet. We want to make sure that our children and generations to come have clean water to drink and clean air to breathe. And that is what I stand for. It doesn't matter what you call it. This is about the future of our community, the future of our children. This is about creating the safe, healthy Buffalo that prioritizes working people, our most vulnerable, our seniors, and our future. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle. As I mentioned in my opening statement, the rift in the party has come from people trying to drag this party to the far, far, far left. I never thought I'd see the day where I saw a major political party in this country actually advocate for riots, actually advocate for looting, actually advocate for socialism, actually advocate for defunding the police. And you ask what are the long-term ramifications? The Democratic Party, if they keep going this far to the left, will be a tiny little regional party and they will have zero control in this country. We need to bring everyone back to the center again. I'm not so concerned anymore with, uh, with the terms, if it's a Republican or a Democrat. As I mentioned right now, I rally around good ideas, not around ideology. These days I rally around good leaders, not politicians. We're going to have to get rid of these labels if we're going to want to go forward in this city. 
But if we keep trying to drag the Democratic Party to the far, far, far left, it's no longer going to have any relevance in this country, in my opinion. Thank you very much. At this point, we'll begin our questions from our panel. And the first direct question will go to Mr. Brown. The other two candidates will have 45-second rebuttal, and then we'll proceed to Ms. Wallen and Mr. Carlisle with their own direct questions. So our first question to Mr. Brown, a minute and a half, please. Mr. Brown, you first took office in 2006. For many of us in the room, you have been the only mayor of Buffalo we have ever known. Between the amount of time you've had in office and your minimal campaigning in the Democratic primary, many have come to believe that you are taking your office for granted. They believe you have become less active in your position, assuming that your reelection is secure purely based on who you are. Considering all of this, how can you justify running for another term when there are others who plan to be more proactive with the position as mayor? And what would you say to the people of Buffalo who feel this way? The campaign for mayor in the primary coincided with uh, a global pandemic, uh, coincided with protests against systemic racism. During the campaign, uh, I worked seven days a week nonstop. My focus was on getting the community uh, through the pandemic through the crisis uh, that all of us were dealing with, uh, delivering food to people, uh, making sure that people had uh, personal protective equipment, uh, making sure that people were able to get tested uh, for COVID-19, that people were able to get vaccinated, partnering with the federal government, the state government, the county government to help people get vaccinated. My focus at the time was getting our community through one of the most critical public health crises that our city, our state, our nation, our world has ever faced. So I place more focus and more emphasis there. Never took the campaign for granted, would never take this community that I love for granted, but my focus was trying to get people safely through the pandemic. Thank you. Ms. Walton, your rebuttal. I participated in the democratic process. I ran a clean campaign and with an all volunteer team successfully won a primary election. I think that everyone has the right to run and I think that we should focus our campaigns on what the issues are that are facing our community and presenting our plans for the future of Buffalo. So I look forward to sharing more of that with all of you today. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle, your rebuttal. You know, I go around the community and not a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about Byron Brown. I I've been in Buffalo for 18 years. He's been my mayor for 16 of those 18 years. Unquestionably, this city has gotten better under Byron Brown's leadership. The problem is he's been there for 16 years and that is just too long for anybody to hold the same position of power. Because after 16 years, you get complacent. After 16 years, you get arrogant. After 16 years, you just start going through the motions and start instead of shooting for the stars. It's time that we dream big in Buffalo. It's time that we shoot for the stars. Byron Brown's going to be a steady minder of the ship, but he's doesn't going to take us to that next level. Thank you. Our next direct question from our panel will be addressed to Ms. Walton. Ms. Walton. The past few years have seen an increase in the graduation rate for high schools in the Buffalo Public Schools system. 
rising from approximately 64% in 2019 to 76% in 2020. Critics argue that this increase is largely the result of the waiving of Regents exam requirements because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Even at that rate, graduation rates are still 10% below the statewide average. An additional serious problem in Buffalo schools is that roughly, percent, roughly 40% of students are chronically absent. A staggering one in three students missed at least 20% of school days last year, and this truancy grew worse once classes resumed meeting in person. If elected, what do you see as the mayor's role in helping our school system succeed? That is, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm a former school nurse, and I know firsthand the challenges that a lot of our students face. I am happy that our graduation rates are up, but I would like for Buffalo Public School graduates to be college and career ready when they graduate. And as a former school nurse, I know firsthand that a lot of those challenges stem from concentrated poverty and disadvantage. Our, ch our childhood poverty rates in Buffalo are still as high as 43%, sometimes 50 in some neighborhoods. I'll tell you a story. Um, one day I was at work, working in the school system, and there were three sisters who came to me with itchy scalps. Um, and they had lice, which is not unusual in a, in a grade school. It spreads quickly, and you know, though people kind of freak out about it, it's, it's absolutely normal. So I call up their mother, and I say, it's okay, shampoo them really well, and they can come back tomorrow. I'll check them, and they'll be good to go. And their mother's response was, they will be back on Monday, because I don't get paid until Friday. And it was a Tuesday. So as mayor, I know that a $5 bottle of shampoo should not be the cause of students missing three days of school. I would be very um, excited and invigorated to work with existing programs like Say Yes um, to make sure that our children have the wraparound services that they need in the community, but also just being an active partner with the Board of Education and making sure that we're providing services, providing good jobs so that we're lifting people out of poverty, which is the root cause of our lack of educational attainment and truancy in many ways. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. I think it's an excellent question, but unfortunately, the honest answer is there's not a whole lot that the mayor of Buffalo can do to affect anything in the Buffalo Public Schools because the mayor of Buffalo currently has no control over the Buffalo Public Schools. Right now, control of the Buffalo Public Schools is invested almost solely in the school board. So one thing I would do as mayor is go to the state and say, hey, can you give us equal control or at least put some control over the Buffalo Public Schools into City Hall? That way, I could actually have um, some influence in some way, some positive benefit to the schools. But right now, there's almost no benefit. The one thing I have said is I want to start a, um, a program with local chefs and local farms and try to do a pilot program in one school, um, try to create nutritious meals for kids. It's one thing we could start their day off right. It's the one thing I could do with hopefully donations and people volunteering their time and without using taxpayer dollars. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Brown? As mayor of the city of Buffalo, I've partnered closely with the Buffalo Public Schools. I was one of the people that was an advocate to bring Say Yes uh, Buffalo to our school district uh, to assist uh, young people with educational attainment, uh, to help them do better in school, and a commitment that every young person that graduates from a Buffalo Public School or a uh, Buffalo Charter School would be able to get a scholarship to go on to college. Uh, this year, after the pandemic, we created the Earn to Learn program to provide resources for young people to be able to get back on track going to uh, summer school uh, with pay to be able to do that. Thank you. Our next direct question goes to Mr. Carlisle. Gentrification is a process by which wealthier residents move into a poorer area 
improving the housing in the community, and generally raising property costs, which then tends to displace lower-income residents who have lived in the neighborhood sometimes for decades. Over the last 10 years, rent prices have skyrocketed in Buffalo, averaging $1,243 for a one-bedroom apartment, according to Zillow.com. Currently, the area seeing the most gentrification is the Fruit Belt, which is adjacent to the medical corridor. This has raised fears that lower-income residents could be priced out of their communities. Mr. Carlisle, what is your plan to balance the economic development of the Fruit Belt in cooperation with the medical campus and deal with the gentrification caused by this development? I think, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot governments can do to stop gentrification. The only thing you could actually do to stop it is to take someone's property away, which is what socialists like to do. That's the only way you could do it. You could go up to someone and say, nope, you can't buy that house, you can't fix it up, and you can't sell it. And I just think that's horrible. I think there's certain things we could do to try to stem the tide, but you can't take people's property rights away, or at least not in a democratic society you can't. If we go socialist, maybe we could. I hope we don't do that. I hope that we find better solutions. The city of Buffalo has 7,000 vacant lots that, the, that it owns. We could develop those, those 7,000 lots. We could build houses on those lots. We could sell them at an affordable cost to first-time home buyers. That's the sort of thing I'd like to see done. But I, I don't see any way that you can get government to stop gentrification short of taking someone's property rights away, and I don't support that. Thank you. Rebuttal, Mr. Brown. During my time as mayor, we've built over 2,200 units of affordable housing with another 1,000 units under production now. I've set a goal of 40% permanent affordability for all housing units in the city of Buffalo. We're close to 25%. Also, cutting the tax rate has been important to keeping the city affordable, giving people the opportunity to be able to purchase homes. The tax rate in Buffalo now is the lowest level it has been in 30 years, also giving um, small landlords the ability, if they choose to, to keep rents lower. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Ms. Walton? Well, as the founding executive director of the Fruit Belt Community Land Trust, I have a solution. Um, the city is the largest landowner, holding more than 5,000 vacant properties and parcels that are ripe for infill housing. In fact, the city's own housing study from 2017 said that it's not that housing costs are astronomical, it is that the um, wages have not kept up with the rate of inflation. Also, the housing stock is so old, and there are still some homes that are not valued high enough to um, qualify for trad traditional mortgages. So under a Walton administration, we are going to close the racial wealth and home ownership gap by extending micro-mortgages and alternative um, methods of financing mortgage while bolstering um, community land trusts in the community. Thank you. Our second panel question uh, for a direct question now goes to Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, you have claimed over the years to have run an ethical administration despite various allegations of corruption. For example, your administration is currently under investigation regarding the handing out of contracts to the Modern Company, a trash disposal company that has contributed almost $70,000 to your campaign since 2005. There is also a recent Buffalo News story that alleges your administration has awarded exclusive property development deals to campaign contributors without the proper open public bidding, and that well over half of the federal funding available through the Buffalo Urban Renewal Agency has gone to campaign contributors. How do you respond to these allegations, and what changes have you enacted to make your administration more transparent? The administration is completely transparent. We follow all of the rules 
uh, set by the federal government and state government for bidding. Uh, the administration has not been uh, notified that we are under investigation for anything. So while uh, there has been activity from agencies uh, looking at the operation of city government, uh, there has been no determination uh, that the administration is under investigation uh, for any of those things. I can tell you we have a very effective federal government. We have a very effective law enforcement arm of the federal government. If there was anything uh, that was being done wrong uh, in the Brown administration, I would no longer be mayor of the city of Buffalo because the federal government would find that it would be rooted out. So that simply is not accurate. That simply is not happening. Uh, all people that run for office have to raise money. That is our American uh, system of government. Uh, running for office is very expensive. And for people uh, that build things, uh, people uh, that invest in the community, uh, it is perfectly legal uh, for them to invest in the candidates that they believe will do the best job for the community. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Ms. Walton? Um, Mayor Brown is right. Political campaigns are very expensive, and I am so proud that we have been able to run a campaign that is powered by small grassroots contributors. Our average donation is $50, and we've not accepted a single dollar from large developers or corporations, and I'm proud that I am going to be beholden to and accountable to those 17,000 people who've powered this campaign and the 270,000 residents of Buffalo, New York, and I am not going to be beholden to large developers and corporations who fund my campaign. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. Uh, Ms. Walton just said that she hasn't taken any money from developers or corporations. That's because not one developer in this town would be foolish enough to give her five cents. It's just not going to happen. And I can make one promise. I'm not going to get into the specific allegations against Mayor Brown. I'll let him speak to those. But I can just make one promise, that when I'm mayor, City Hall is going to work for everyone again. No one's going to be cutting the line to get services, and we certainly are not going to be giving out advantages to the people who least need them. We're going to have transparency in City Hall, and we're going to have a city that works for everybody. Thank you. Our next direct question will go to Ms. Walton. Ms. Walton, despite being the Democratic candidate, you have also been endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America and personally describe yourself as a Democratic Socialist. The Democratic Socialists of America define the ideology as one that will put in place, quote, a system where ordinary people have a real voice in our workplaces, neighborhoods, and society. And further that, Democratic Socialists want a democracy powered by everyday people. How will your policies and goals as mayor reflect this ideology? much. And um, for those who haven't visited my website yet, my policy platform is very detailed. It's on our website at www.indiawalton.com. A lot of the reason why I identify it as a democratic socialist is just for that reason. I am an everyday person. I'm not a career politician. And I see problems in my community. And not only do I see them for myself, but I've talked to folks every single day. And a lot of us are experiencing the same problems. My policy platform really centers around something called co-governance and deep democracy. It means that the 
decisions aren't going to be made behind closed doors by the most powerful and elite in our society. It means that I'm going to be out in the community, my staff and I, we're going to be talking to black club leaders, we're going to do, be doing neighborhood planning at the neighborhood level and finding out what everyday impacted people want for themselves. I believe that the people closest to the problem are closest to the solution and that government's role is to resource those people to be able to create the solutions and implement them for ourselves. Thank you, rebuttal. Mr. Carlisle. Ms. Walton now says that she's a democratic socialist and of course she says that to try to alleviate our fears because our fears are well-founded because last year she didn't go around telling people that she's a democratic socialist. Last year she proudly proclaimed that she was a socialist. There was no qualifications, there was no caveats, she just said that she was a socialist. So now she's saying she's a democratic socialist and she tells us that all that really means is that she believes in basic human rights. So with the balance of my time, I'd like to turn it back to Ms. Walton and just give us three positions of socialism that you disagree with. I'm sick of hearing all the stuff that you do agree with about socialism, but what are just three things that you disagree with? Thank you. Mr. Uh, Brown, your re uh, rebuttal? We have to recognize that part of Ms. Walton's narrative is just untrue. She said that she was a, su a successful not-for-profit housing executive when she didn't build a single house. The goal of the agency that she ran was to build 50 affordable houses in the Fruit Belt. They didn't build one. When I pressed her on this in the last debate, uh, she claimed that she built two. Habitat for Humanity built those two houses. She has no record of success with her ideas or philosophies. In fact, she's been a failed housing executive. Thank you. Our next direct question to Mr. Carlisle. Mr. Carlisle, in the wake of both federal and New York state COVID vaccine mandates for workers in many industries, there have been several anti-vaccine protests in the area, including one in Niagara Square in September, staged by healthcare workers, and another one just this past Monday, staged by workers in Alma. Various news reports have you in attendance at both of these rallies. Do you oppose COVID-19 vaccine mandates? And if so, do you also oppose decade-old routine vaccination mandates for school children, such as mumps, measles, and polio? It's a good question. First of all, I didn't just attend the rally in September, I organized the rally in September. And the news media mentioned that I was there, but they failed to broadcast my remarks because at that rally, I made it very, very, very clear that I am not against vaccines, I'm not against masks. What I'm against is mandates. And I've made that perfectly, perfectly clear. And but what people get repeated is, oh, and I've heard Ms. Walton say it, Ben Carlisle's an anti-masker, Ben Carlisle's an anti-vaxxer. I'm not. Most of my friends are vaccinated. A lot of my family's vaccinated. I think it's a great choice for a lot of people, but for some people it's not, and I am absolutely against mandates. I've made that very, very clear. Thank you. Rebuttal, Mr. Brown? COVID-19 is the worst public health crisis in over 100 years affecting our entire planet. I encourage everyone to get vaccinated because vaccination saves lives. I've been to the funerals of many people who did not get vaccinated, who did not believe in mandates, who did not believe in getting vaccinated, who died. Uh, to protect yourself, to protect your family, uh, to protect the members of our community, I encourage everyone to get vaccinated. Thank you. At this point in the debate, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to begin 
with a commercial aired by Mr. Brown, and oh, I'm awful sorry, your rebuttal. Yeah, thank you. Um, as a school nurse, I can assure you that vaccine mandates are not new. Um, there are exceptions to be made for religious or medical reasons dependent upon your um, primary care physician. And I called for a vaccine mandate back in September, which the current mayor has failed to do. I also have visited New York City, and I'm very impressed that they don't use the honor system. But in order to be in public spaces with no mask, you have to prove your vaccination status. And that is how we are going to be able to move forward through this pandemic. Pandemic. It's not over yet. We're not on the other side of it. So I also encourage everyone to be vaccinated, to be safe, um, but also would, as mayor, implement um, a vaccine mandate. Thank you. Thank you very much, and I apologize. At this point in the debate, what we're going to do is show a commercial aired by Mr. Brown and Ms. Wallen, and we're going to allow the other two candidates to respond to Mr. Brown's commercial but there will be no rebuttal on his part. They have a minute and a half. We will then air a Miss Wallen commercial, and Brown and Mr. Carlisle will respond. And in Mr. Carlisle's case, he has a message on the internet that we're going to air part of, and the other two candidates will get to respond to his message. So let's begin with the uh, commercial that Mr. Brown has been airing, at least one of the commercials. If India Walton becomes mayor, 100 police officers will be fired, including me. And me. All, All of us. us will lose our jobs. India Walton plans to cut $7.5 million from the police department. That means firing 100 police officers. And since the city is required to lay off the newest officers first, most of us are women and people of color. Our job is keeping Buffalo safe. We can't do that under India Walton. Ms. Wallen, you have a minute and a half to respond to his commercial. Thank you. I want to begin by acknowledging Lindsay Daddario, who took that photo of me, and um, that photo is proprietary. It actually belongs to the Associated Press, and um, the Brown campaign has not had permission to use it. Secondly, there's nothing in my plans that will eliminate 100 police officers from the police force. Um, that is just, it's false, it's fear-mongering, and because my opponent has no plan for the future of Buffalo, he resorts to falsehoods, fear, and um, personal attacks on me. It's unfortunate, and with this last 30 seconds, I just wanna be like, hey, Ava. <laughs> Mr. Carlisle, your response? My response is that, frankly, that ad did not go far enough, because India Walton doesn't wanna just cut $7.5 million from the budget, for the police department, which would result in 100 less officers. Now she says she's not gonna fire them. She's gonna wait until they quit, and when they quit, they won't be replaced. I guarantee you that 100 officers are gonna quit on day one when Indy Walton becomes mayor. And because she's promised she's not gonna replace them, guess what? That results in 100 fewer police officers on the street. And it's not just what's in her written plans, as the mayor said, it's what Indy Walton went around and screamed into a megaphone all last year. Screaming things like, we know that police do not keep our community safe. We need to defund the police. So when Indy Wallen scratches her head and says, I can't for the life of me figure out why people think I want to defund the police. Could it have anything to do with the fact that you went around with a bullhorn screaming that you want to defund the police and that you don't think police keep our community safe? It might just be that. 
Thank you very much. We will now air a Miss Wallen commercial where Mr. Brown does get to respond along with Mr. Carlisle. Buffalo, a city with a lot of pride and a few too many bad headlines out of City Hall. Indictments, corruption, mismanagement, that's not who we are. I'm India Walton and I'm running to change all that. I'm running to make the government work for us and not just the big money crowd. I'm sure you've heard a few things about me, but hear it from me. Buffalo is my home and I love this place. I was born here, became a nurse here, raised my kids here. I ran a nonprofit here to create affordable housing and safer communities. I'm running to be your mayor, to do the things our neighbors need and shake up City Hall. After 15 years, we've all had enough of corruption, indictments, and mismanagement. We deserve some results for a change. So Buffalo, now's your chance. Let's build a better city together. You just gotta show up. Paid for by Friends of India Walton. Mr. Carlisle, your response to the commercial? Uh, it's a nice feel-good commercial. There's not a lot of substance, but I will give India Walton that. That's a nice feel-good commercial. It certainly doesn't make me want to vote for her, but nice commercial. <laughs> Mr. Brown, your response to the commercial? I was going to ask somebody for a Kleenex. It almost brought a tear to my eye. Uh, I, I will say that there is a lot that's inaccurate in the commercial. Uh, first of all, India Walton is not a successful nonprofit executive. She is a failed nonprofit executive. She had a plan to build 50 houses. She didn't build a single house when she was the executive director of a nonprofit organization, and she's trying to take credit for two houses being built by Habitat for Humanity. And I rescued the finances of the city when I came into office in 2006, when Buffalo was in fiscal distress. And this year, through a global pandemic, was able to manage the city of Buffalo without raising taxes, without cutting services, or laying off a single employee. Thank you very much. We're now going to air a brief video that uh, Mr. Carlisle has been posted online. Mr. Carmyle's video, please. Carlisle, excuse me. Hi, I'm Ben Carlisle, and I'm running for mayor of Buffalo. According to India Walton's Socialist Manifesto, Buffalo's only problem is not enough government. In reality, the only thing hindering Buffalo's full renaissance is way too much government. Ironically, the only area of funding that India Walton wants to cut is the one area that desperately needs its funding preserved, law enforcement. The increase in crime under Brown's neglect is unacceptable, and India Walton's plan to defund the police is more than idiotic, it's downright dangerous. The inability to hold dangerous criminals with bail is making a revolving door for our police who must arrest the same individuals over and over again. And telling criminals ahead of time which crimes won't be prosecuted is just an invitation for more crime. While I support... Thank you. Mr. Brown, your response to the commercial? Well, Mr. Carlisle is right. Uh, Ms. Walton has said that she wants to cut the police budget. Uh, she did, for the better part of 2020, uh, run around the city of Buffalo with a bullhorn to her mouth, uh, saying that she demanded that police be defunded. I pressed her on this issue in the last debate. She said she had a study that said you could cut 
more than $16 million from the police department budget. You know how that would be achieved? By taking uniforms from police officers, uh, by taking equipment from uh, police officers, uh, her plans for policing in the city of Buffalo not only would defund police, it would destroy public safety in our community. Ms. Walden, your response? I want to be clear that police respond after crimes have been committed. My plan gets to the root cause of crime. So reallocations mean that we're spending more resources on things that we shouldn't be expecting police to do in the first place, like respond to mental health calls when there's no threat of violence or harm, like respond to homelessness outreach, like respond to quality of life issues like high grass and parking issues and loud music. Those are things that we are tasking our officers to do that are slowing response times and distracting them from responding to crimes like burglary and homicides. My plan is a responsible use of taxpayer dollars. There's $3 million in the police budget that is marked miscellaneous. And because our government has been wholly opaque and unaccountable, I can't tell you today what that miscellaneous $3 million is. Perhaps it includes uniforms, but I'm not sure why police officers need new uniforms every single year. We have to be more responsible, and when we talk about fiscal responsibility, we have an administration that has spent down a $100 million surplus over the course of the last decade. We have a $0 fund balance right now, and if not for the, 60, the $360 million American Rescue Plan, we will be $60 million in debt right now. Thank you very much. We are now going to ask a direct question to each candidate. There will be no rebuttal. They have a minute and a half to respond, beginning with Mr. Brown, and the question will be presented by Aaron Hall, who is the president of our Equity and Justice Club here at St. Joe's. Good morning. My name is Aaron Hall and I'm a senior here at St. Joe's. And as Mr. Liner said, I'm the president of the Equity and Justice Club. As the president of the club, I'd like to direct this next question to Mr. Brown. With all of the focus on health over the past few years, which is great, there's still dense food deserts and food insecurities in Buffalo, especially on the east side of Buffalo. The main problem of this is citizens there will have a struggle trying to access fresh produce as an alternative to the vast amount of fast food restaurants in the area. I've personally gone to grocery stores and I've seen moldy bread and less than percent blue produce for sale. With these factors in play, it makes it convenient to get fast food instead of going to a grocery store. What would be your solution to fixing this problem? My solution has been to work to bring supermarkets uh, to the city of Buffalo. As a city council member, I brought a Topps Market to Jefferson Avenue. As mayor of the city of Buffalo, we kept the Broadway market alive, providing fresh fruits and vegetables to the residents of that community. Uh, we were able to build, bring in Aldi's also uh, to Broadway on the east side of Buffalo. And just recently, we brought a Bray Miller market to downtown Buffalo, not only serving the downtown community, uh, but serving people on the east and the west sides of Buffalo. I believe that by partnering uh, with the private sector and with the business community, we can bring more um, uh, supermarkets, we can bring more quality food into the inner city, partnering with the residents of our community as well, and eliminate the food deserts that presently exist in the city of Buffalo. And I will just say as I wrap that up, Ms. Walton was wrong about the city's fund balance. There is $89 million 
uh, in the fund balance. Uh, over $38 million of that uh, is the rainy day fund that I created as mayor of the city of Buffalo that did not exist before I became mayor of Buffalo. Thank you. Mr. Uh, Ms. Wallen, your response? I am going to work with the Common Council to make sure that our food store licenses include there's actual food in the stores. Um, you know, if you've ever been downstate, you know bodegas, you can readily find fresh fruits and vegetables and decent food, and it's not the same way in our corner stores. So in order for corner stores moving forward to be able to maintain licensing, they're going to have to provide fresh foods. And I'm also interested in working with nonprofits like Massachusetts Avenue Project to expand their programming, and also working with folks in the private sector, like Alex Wright from the African Heritage Food Co-op, who's done a lot of work in helping to um, increase access to fresh foods um, in, in communities where there's lack of access. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle? I like a part of Ms. Walton's answer because she wants to start at the bodega level. I think that's great. I live on the west side. There's a bodega two feet from me. But you know what? Most of what they sell is absolute junk food. I'd love to get bodegas to sell better food, but I don't want to use sticks. I'd rather use carrots. Ms. Walton says she wants to you know, tie their licensing to making sure that they sell fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. I'd rather do it more of an incentive base, give them some tax credits to encourage them to do that. I don't like to use sticks. I'd rather use carrots. But I think it's actually a really good idea. If it works, great. I don't know that it will. You can't force people to sell good food, but you can certainly encourage them to do so. Thank you. We will, we will resume the questions from the panel in our next direct question, which lends itself to rebuttal from each candidate. We'll begin with Mr. Brown. In 2021, Buffalo saw a 61% increase in shootings from the months of January to July, compared to the average over the last decade. Police Deputy Commissioner Joseph A. Gamalia has accredited the increase in homicides in 2021 to gang violence within the city. Mr. Brown, you have been in office since 2006. Although Buffalo's violence problem is not as bad as it was in 2006, the trend in violence in Buffalo is only getting worse. Do you believe Commissioner Gamalia's accreditation to gang violence being responsible for the uptick in violence? And what has your administration done to address this increase in violence in the city? Uh, we've done a lot and we will be doing a lot more. Uh, from 2006 uh, to 2019, crime in all categories fell year after year in the city of Buffalo. We also established some very effective strategies that had to be suspended during the pandemic that are being resumed now, where we are taking more guns off the streets, where we're doing custom notifications, going to the homes of at-risk youth and young adults, notifying their families of the types of activities they're engaged in uh, that could cause them to be victims of violence or to perpetuate violence. I think it's important uh, to note uh, that the activities of my opponent, uh, Ms. Walton, made it more difficult for the police to do their job because they had to um, respond to protests, they had to respond to things being lit on fire, they had to respond to things being broken. Uh, she is an attacker of police in the city of Buffalo 
and someone that has been an apologist for criminals. I don't think we can make apologies uh, for criminal behavior in our community. I think we have to be aggressive in addressing criminal behavior in the community, and there can be no excuses uh, for criminal behavior that interrupts the quality of life in our community. Thank you. Ms. Walden, your rebuttal? I would again like to stress that police respond after crimes are committed and don't prevent them from happening in the first place. And my plan gets to the root causes. We are going to use evidence-based data-driven programs to make sure that we're getting resources into our young people and folks who have a high propensity to be involved in criminal activity to make sure they don't have to resort to it in the first place. And if they make the mistake of being involved, that they, we are creating pathways for some alternative where they don't have to be involved in that lifestyle. I would also add that during the First, the first protest, I was the one who was telling young people to stay home, um, to, to not go out because we were not prepared, not organized. And when I got involved, there were no incidences of violence. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. I think, honestly, over the last 16 years, Mayor Brown has been a pretty good steward over the police department. I think if you look at before the illegal and unconstitutional lockdowns, in my opinion, we were kind of trending in the right way. I don't attribute the spike in crime in 2020 and 2021 to gang violence. I think any reasonable person knows that the spike in crime was due to the lockdowns. If you look around the country, you look at the states and the cities that didn't lock down the way that Buffalo did, that didn't lock down the way that New York State did, that didn't close their schools for the entirety of last year, that didn't close their small businesses, that didn't close their churches, they didn't have these same types of problems. So I think if we can make sure that we never ever lock down this city again, which is my promise, we'll probably continue to trend in the right direction. Thank you. Our next direct question to Ms. Walton. Ms. Walton, you claim that Mr. Brown's development of Buffalo has been a failure and has ignored the most at-need residents in the east side. Mr. Brown has secured all of the following for the east side. $65 million for the Buffalo Billion, $23.2 million for the elderly housing, and $35 million for affordable housing and other funding added up to a total of almost half a billion dollars throughout his administration. Yet, despite this in investment, a 2019 sur survey reveals that one-third of the Buffalo-Niagara metro region residents live at or below the poverty line, most of which resides in the east side. How would you, as mayor, address the economic development of the east side? Thank you for your question. I think that the failure in economic development is that we are using an approach where we are um, providing resources to the wealthy and well-to-do and the large-scale develop developers who are developing a lot of market rate projects and waiting for it to trickle down to the, the neighborhood level, and that's just not um, a good strategy. Right now, the city of Buffalo still is the third poorest of the size in the nation, and we have failed to address um, creating infill housing. The prior administration's answer to blight was demolishing over 8,000 vacant structures without a plan to replace them. In fact, um, Dr. Henry Lewis Taylor from the UB Department of Urban Studies recently came out with a study called The Harder We Run that says that um, black Buffalonians who primarily occupy the east side of Buffalo have not made any significant progress in their socioeconomic standing in the last 30 years. I am the candidate who not only has a plan, but who was willing to work with folks on the ground at the neighborhood level to develop strategic plans that make sure that we are developing in a way that is not displacing people, that, that is ensuring that we are closing the racial wealth and home ownership gap, that ensures that we are maintaining good amenities like city parks and sidewalks and roads, and that folks have a pathway up out of poverty. 
Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. I think your question itself kind of, to me, highlights what the problem is because we always think it's money. Oh, Byron Brown gave $10 million here and $30 million here and $40 million here and we gave all this money and why haven't the problems been resolved? That's the Democrats' playbook. Let's raise more taxes, let's spend more money and all our problems will go away. It's just not working. So one of the things I've promised is, as mayor, I'm gonna start listening more. I promised to do a monthly block club meeting with all presidents of block clubs and really listen and figure out what their concerns are and figure out how we can change the problems without always just spending more money. Thank you. Our next, uh, let's see, Mr. Brown, your rebuttal. Uh, so we do have monthly meetings with block clubs. We routinely uh, meet with residents of the community. We've also done some very strategic things like the building of the Northland Workforce Training Center, uh, which is providing training to people in advanced manufacturing and other uh, high-wage jobs that are coming online in our community. Uh, to date, hundreds of people have received training from the Northland Work Workforce Training Center, 54% uh, of them people of color, uh, starting at salaries of between $35,000 a year to over $65,000 a year. We are going to be doing more rapid upskilling of people throughout the city of Buffalo going forward in the next four years. Thank you. Our next direct question to Mr. Carlisle. Badly neglected houses, vacant either through foreclosure or other reasons, are called zombie houses. These have been an increasing problem in western New York. The county clerk's office reports that there are over 800 of these zombie houses located in Erie County, most of which are in the city of Buffalo. Many financial experts predict that this problem will grow worse now that the federal moratorium on foreclosures has expired. As mayor, what would you do to reduce the problem of zombie homes in the city of Buffalo? I think you just got to start with enforcing the rules that we have on the book. We've got a housing court. It's got rules. And unfortunately, we just don't enforce it all that well. We've got out-of-town landlords, zombie landlords, whatever you want to call them, and it just happens and it happens and it happens. And a lot of times we don't catch the problem until a circuit breaker burns the whole house down. So I think where you start is with the rules we already have in place. If the housing court says they need more rules, they need more teeth, I'll go, I'll help them with that. But right now we just need to start enforcing the rules that are on the books. Thank you. Your rebuttal? Yes. Uh, the city has uh, worked with other partners to crack down on zombie houses and other problem properties in the city. Uh, as you heard Ms. Walton say, uh, I've been able to work with partners to demolish over 8,000 vacant houses in the city of Buffalo during my tenure as mayor. Uh, many of those properties were next door to uh, homeowners. Uh, down the street from homeowners, homeowners around the corner from homeowners who could not get homeowners insurance because of the presence of those problem properties. We removed a lot of that blight, removed a lot of those properties that threatened other homes in our neighborhoods. Thank you. Rebuttal? I believe that proactive inspections um, will help us go a long way, but also using legal instruments to take homes into receiverships that have been abandoned and put them back to productive use, either by giving them to nonprofits to be able to make affordable units, or by giving them to first-time homeowners to make sure that we're growing our tax base and that people have safe, affordable, um, stable places to live. So you know. It's out there. We have, we already have organizations like the um, Buffalo Erie Niagara Land Improvement Corporation that is able to receive these homes and have resources available to put them back to productive use. So I would rather preserve um, and have properties be online than just tear them down, not replacing them with anything. 
Thank you. At this point, I'm going to ask a direct question to wrap up the debate, and then we will begin closing remarks from each candidate, and they will have three minutes. We asked our students uh, what's a question that they would like asked. It was a big surprise to me. It had to do with the Buffalo Bills. At any rate, as you know, this is a question that's being asked throughout the community. Buffalo Bills owners Terry and Kim Pagula have recently unveiled plans for a possible new stadium for the team. This plan calls for a 60,000 seat venue, which is more than 10,000 seats fewer than Highmark Stadium currently has, but would include many modern amenities that newer stadiums have and Hallmark does not. If the stadium were to be built in Orchard Park, the cost would be roughly $1.4 billion. However, if it was built in Buffalo, they're estimating that it would cost $2.4 billion. The expectation is that the vast amount of the cost, using either option, would be paid by the taxpayers of our county. As mayor, would you like to see a new stadium in the city, even if the cost exceeded an additional $1 billion? Mr. Brown. I would love to see a new stadium in the city of Buffalo. Uh, I think, though, we have to look at return on investment and what it would produce uh, to the residents of the city and the region. I believe a new stadium should be built with a community benefits agreement to benefit the residents of the community. Many stadiums across the country, new stadiums, have been built with community benefits agreements. Uh, money is critically important. Uh, it would be easy for me to say what I want when the city is not a party to the stadium agreement. The stadium agreement is between the state of New York, the county of Erie, and the ownership of the Buffalo Bills, the, the Pagulas. Uh, the city does not have any financial skin in the game, uh, so it is difficult for me to say what should happen when I am not at the negotiating table as mayor. It's almost unfair. Obviously, would love to see a downtown stadium. I think the stadium originally being put in Orchard Park was one of the great planning mistakes of the city and region. Other parts of the country that have stadiums in their downtown are much more vibrant, have produced many more jobs, uh, and it has been a benefit not only to those cities but the entire region. Thank you. Ms. Walton? Our alignment on this issue gives me hope for the future. I also believe that it would be great to have a downtown stadium. I don't want to see people displaced. I don't want taxpayer dollars to go to line the pockets of someone who's already super wealthy. But I think, you know, as a lifelong Buffalonian and as a Bills fan, um, I would love nothing better than to see a downtown stadium that is built with um, a, a community benefits agreement that has long-standing benefits to the surrounding community, but that is also developed in a transit-oriented way so that we're not building something that's contingent upon 800 parking spots, but that folks can use public transit to get there. I think it would be great. Um, but again, um, because the city is not at the negotiating table, we can talk all day about what our aspirations are for a new stadium, but realistically, um, with, without the um, 
cooperation of the folks who are co currently negotiating our opinions at this point don't, don't matter a whole bunch. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle. We had the same question at the last debate, and we heard the same, same answers, and I'm going to give the same answer I gave it the last time. I wouldn't just love to see a stadium in downtown Buffalo. I'm going to fight to get a stadium in downtown Buffalo. That's the difference. Ms. Walton, Mayor Brown said, yeah, geez, it would be great. I'm going to fight to make sure that it happens. Right now, the mayor is not at the negotiating table. The mayor needs to get at the negotiating table. The mayor needs to pick up the phone and say, what's it going to take to make this happen? What can the city of Buffalo do to contribute to make this a reality? Not just hold a press conference and say that it would be great, but to be an advocate for the city to make sure that it happens. I will fight tooth and nail. I won't just wish it to happen. I'll fight for it to happen. Thank you. We will now begin our closing remarks. We will reverse the order. Mr. Carlisle will be going first, followed by Ms. Wallen, and then concluding with Mr. Brown. Mr. Carlisle, you have three minutes. This morning, Byron Brown has argued that India Walden is not ready to be mayor. He's absolutely correct. Ms. Walden has argued that after 16 years of Byron Brown, it's time for a new mayor. She's also absolutely correct. It would be disingenuous of me to get up here and tell you that Buffalo hasn't improved under Byron Brown's watch. It has. But as I mentioned earlier, after 16 years, you get complacent. After 16 years, you get arrogant. After 16 years, you start going through the motions instead of shooting for the stars. It's time to dream big in Buffalo. Dreaming big means fighting for a new Bill Stadium in downtown Buffalo. Dreaming big means a major investment in our infrastructure by redoing our water lines, our sewer lines, and burying our utilities. Dreaming big means transforming Buffalo into one of the greenest and cleanest cities in America. Unfortunately, dreams will not come true if we elect India Walton as our mayor. Instead, a nightmare will become a reality. Ms. Walton has argued that she deserves to be mayor because she's real, she's resilient, and she's ready. I would argue that she is none of the above. Let's first examine whether or not she's real. To get to that question, you have to pose the proper question. Who is the real India Walton? Is the real India Walton the person who went around last summer with a megaphone screaming that she wants to defund the police and that they don't keep our community safe? Or is the real India Walton the one who comes up here and speaks meekly into the microphone and says, no, I don't want to do that? Is the real India Walton a racial and social justice warrior? Or is the real India Walton the person who went on Facebook and told a common council member that he's a tender, blank white man? Let's go with resiliency. How resilient is she? Every single time India Walton makes a mistake, she blames someone else, she points the finger, she plays the victim. There's a word for that, but it certainly isn't resiliency. How ready is India Walton? India Walton can't keep track of her unpaid parking tickets, she can't keep track of her taxes, and she can't keep a job. India Walton is not real, she is not resilient, she is not ready. But Buffalo is ready for a new mayor, and Buffalo is ready for a new mayor who will put the city first, not party politics first. I'm going to get things done by working with everyone, regardless of party affiliation. I don't want to just reach across the aisle. I want to get rid of the aisle altogether. It's going to take hard work from the entire community in order to get things done. I've had a job since I was nine years old. I am not afraid of hard work. Because I did not reach out to the party bosses and kiss the ring at the outset, I'm not going to be on the ballot. So if you want to vote for me, you're going to have to go to the bottom right-hand corner of the ballot. You're going to have to circle in the oval that says right in. And then you have to write my name, Ben Carlisle, in that same box. On November 2nd, we can make history by electing the first socialist mayor in this country since 1960, 
or we can make history by electing a write-in candidate with no party affiliation. Let's make history that our kids can be proud and happy about. Let's write in Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Wallen, your closing remarks. Um, who is India Walton? <laughs> um, I most definitely am real. I am certainly resilient, and I am also ready. I, I think that more about my personal life has been on display the last three months than anyone else on this stage, and I have been fully accountable. I am resilient because you've seen that things for me have not always been perfect. I grew up in Buffalo. I grew up poor. I had a baby when I was a teenager, and despite all of that, I went on to become a nurse and a successful nonprofit director. No one else can define for me who I am or what success means to me. And I want each and every one of you to carry that with you. Success is what you define it to be for yourself. I am a success and I am ready. I am ready because I know what the problems of everyday Buffalonians are. I am a mother, I am a nurse, I am a person who is a coalition builder. I've worked in cross-sector and broad coalition partnerships for a number of years to advance smart policy solutions. And time after time after time, again, the barrier to the success of a lot of those policy proposals was the second floor of City Hall. Now we have an opportunity to have a person who is going to be open, honest, transparent, listen to, and value the opinions and the ideas of others a person who has a bold vision and a plan for the future of Buffalo. Think about the kind of Buffalo you want to see over the next four years, the next eight years. And I'll stop there because I'm not going to be in office for 12 and 16 years. I think that every politician has a shelf life and at a certain point it's time to just make room. So I'm asking you today to go to line A, vote it just all the way across. I am the Democratic nominee. I am the only person on the ballot. I am endorsed by Kirsten Gillibrand, by Chuck Schumer, by Rashid Wyatt, by the Erie County Democratic Party. I am the endorsed nominee for mayor of Buffalo, the endorsed Democratic nominee for mayor of Buffalo. I promise you, I will not let you down. I will always be accessible. I will always be transparent. I will always be real with you, and you will always have an open door and an open heart and open ears with an India Walton administration. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Brown, your closing remarks. I want to thank St. Joe's for giving us the opportunity to be here with all of you today and to debate the important issues that face the city of Buffalo. And when we talk about important issues, for all of us in this room and for all of us in the community, this is the most critical election for mayor in our lifetime. There is a lot at stake. And I have been able to successfully manage the city of Buffalo through every crisis that has come up since I took office as mayor. In fact, crises uh, that are the worst in the history of this city, coming in during the Great Recession and having a city budget and city finances in shambles, hundreds of city employees that were laid off, programs and services that were cut. I had to restore all that. I had to stabilize the city's finances. And at the same time that I was doing that, we got hit with an October surprise storm that knocked out power across the entire city. I had to manage our city through that. And in 2020, 
a global health pandemic that took hundreds, millions of lives across the globe. And I managed our city through that without laying off a single employee, without uh, raising taxes, and without cutting services. This is a time where experience matters. All of the students in this room, this is about your future. This is about what kind of community you want to live in with what kind of opportunities you want to have. I know how to help grow this economy. I know how to partner with the development community. I know how to bring jobs to the city of Buffalo. I've done it before. I can and I will do it again. We've been bold. We've been creative. We have been some of the most creative in terms of administrations across the country. One of the first mayors in the country uh, to establish the, the position of um, a chief service officer. One of the first mayors in uh, the country to create the position of chief diversity officer to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion so that when our city does well, everyone does well. So I am asking when you vote to write down Byron Brown, uh, to continue the progress in our city, and to protect the future for each and every one of us in Buffalo and Western New York. Thank you. Before we conclude by giving the candidates a small token of our appreciation, I have been interviewed several times over the last two days. The question I've been asked most frequently is, Mr. Lina, what makes for a successful debate? This is what a successful debate is. Why? They answered the questions. Unlike many presidential contests, candidates make up their own questions and answer their, their question. I am so grateful for each of our candidates for being with us and for continuing this proud tradition here at St. Joe's. Let's thank them for being with us this morning. Thank you, Mr. Lina. My name is Pat Hennigan, and I'm a senior here at St. Joe's. On behalf of the students and faculty here at St. Joe's, I would like to thank Mr. Byron Brown, Ms. India Walton, and Mr. Benjamin Carlisle for taking the time out of their busy schedules before the election to debate here at St. Joe's. The student body would like to present gifts that we have prepared for each of the candidates as a thank you for, Saint, for visiting here at St. Joe's. Thank you very much, and with that, our debate is concluded for this morning. Thank you very much to the student body and once again to our candidates.
Good morning, and welcome to St. Joseph's Collegiate Institute. As we begin this morning, let us begin as we do all things with a moment of prayer. Please stand. Let us remember that we are always in the holy presence of God. God our Father, as our general election approaches, we pray for all who will be and are in positions of leadership in our country. We pray that they may live as people of integrity and honesty, growing in a sense of duty and responsibility, always being aware of the needy and ready to be of service of others. We pray for ourselves that the Holy Spirit may inspire us and empower us so that our attitude may reflect the values of the gospel. St. John Baptist de La Salle, live Jesus in our hearts. Please remain standing for our national anthem, which will be led by our varsity singers. Good morning to everyone, and welcome to the debate for Mayor of the Queen City, Buffalo, New York. The debate this morning continues a proud tradition here at St. Joe's that began in 1984. For 37 years in this gym, we have hosted debates for every major office in our community. At the county level, county executive, sheriff, and district attorney. At the state level, the New York State Senate. At the federal level, the House of Representatives. And at the city level, in 1985, the contest for mayor of Buffalo was one of our first debates, and it was our last debate for mayor. Once again, we have the pleasure of hosting this very important race. Although only some of the students with us today can vote next month, all of them will be participants in this important political right in the next election for this office along with many others. I encourage everyone to pay close attention 
to the ideas that are exchanged here this morning. We are very fortunate to witness a time-honored practice of political debates that go back to the founding of our nation. Long before the broadcast media existed, candidates were expected to debate and exchange ideas. Unfortunately, today, most citizens are limited to sound bites, political commercials, and a general lack of substance regarding the issues that impact our community and nation. Although many of us live in the suburbs, we clearly identify ourselves as Buffalonians. When we travel and are asked, where are you from? We inevitably, inevitably respond, Buffalo, New York. Most people not from our area have a problem with pronouncing towns with unusual names, such as Chictawaga and Tondawanda and no one dare tries Sajakwita. The history of Buffalo is very interesting. In the early 1800s, this area was named New Amsterdam, as it was founded by the Holland Land Company. It wasn't until 1832 that the state incorporated Buffalo as a city. At that time, the population of Buffalo was approximately 10,000. Based on the most recent census, it is about 254,000 people. When the city was formed, its first mayor was elected to a one-year term, and his name was Ebenezer Johnson. Ebenezer was a member of the Democratic-Republican Party, which is today known simply as the Democratic Party. Today, the term for mayor is four years. Buffalo has had several distinguished mayors during its history, such as William Fargo, who was elected in 1862 and was the co-founder of Wells Fargo and American Express. In 1882, Grover Cleveland was elected to the office of mayor. After serving in this position for a very brief time, he was elected to the position of governor of New York and served as our 22nd and 24th president of the United States. Before we begin this debate, I would like to give our three candidates a great St. Joe's welcome. They have taken time out of their busy schedules to be with us this morning and share their views regarding a city that we know and love. Thank you. I would also like to thank the broadcast and print media for their continued interest in our debates going back over several decades. Broadcast stations 2, 4, 7, and Spectrum. Radio stations WBEN and WBFO. And the Buffalo News, especially political journalist Bob McCarthy, who over the many years has regularly written several stories about the debates conducted in this gym on Kenmore Avenue. 
At this time, I would like to introduce my colleague and friend from the St. Joe's History Department, Mr. Pat McHale, who will give a brief introduction of each of the candidates and of our student panel. Mr. McHale. Good morning, everyone. Mr. Lina, did you take my sheet? No. Where is it? Live television, right? It's my privilege to introduce to you our panel for today. It consists of students from our AP government class and from the SJCI Equity and Justice Club. Reading questions for us today will be Ted Brown, Patrick Killian, Samuel Herr, and Elliot Torres. Our timekeepers for today will be Noah Denning and Kellen O'Connor. And our runners are going to be Patrick Hennigan and Evan Folsom. Behind them, we have a brigade of fact-checkers whose job it is to keep the people I'm about to introduce honest for you. Byron Brown is the incumbent Democratic mayor of Buffalo, but is running as a write-in candidate. Mr. Brown was graduated from Buffalo State College with a dual degree in political science and journalism. He held several positions as a political aide before he decided to run for office himself. He launched a successful campaign for the Buffalo Common Council to represent the Maston District in 1996, then went on to win a seat in the New York State Senate. In 2005, he would launch his first campaign for mayor of Buffalo and would go on to win four terms. He's currently seeking an unprecedented fifth term. Mr. Brown is married and has one son. Indy Walton is the Democratic nominee for mayor. Ms. Walton studied nursing at BOCES and became a licensed practical nurse, then later continued her studies at SUNY ECC, where she earned her degree as a registered nurse. She has previously served as a representative for her union, but she left, eventually left nursing to serve as a community organizer for Open Buffalo and is the founding director of the Fruit Belt Land Trust. Ms. Walton is married and has four children. Ben Carlisle is also a write-in candidate for mayor. Mr. Carlisle was graduated cum laude from the University at Buffalo both from its undergraduate program and its law school. He has been a practicing attorney in the city of Buffalo, but recently left his practice to run for mayor. He is running for mayor, according to his campaign website, to bring to the people of Buffalo a change in leadership and to tell the world what's right with Buffalo. Candidates, on behalf of the students, staff, and faculty of St. Joseph's Collegiate Institute, welcome and good luck. Thank you very much, Mr. McHale. At this time, I will quickly go over the format for today's debate. Each candidate will begin with a two-minute opening statement. Before the debate, a card was drawn to determine the order in which they will address the student body. Each candidate will be given an open-ended question from me, the moderator, at the start of the debate and each candidate will be given one and a half minutes to respond with no rebuttals. A panel of students from the AP American Government class and the Equity and Justice Club 
will ask a series of direct questions to each candidate, and they will have a minute and a half to respond. After the direct question, each of the other two candidates will have 45 seconds for a rebuttal to the direct questions that are asked. Just so everyone knows what's going on, and I informed the candidates earlier, when they have 15 seconds left on a direct question or rebuttal, a student's going to raise their hand to alert them. A bell will be rung when their time is up. They have been told they will be allowed to finish their thought or idea, but not to begin a new thought or idea. At the end of the debate, we will conclude with a three-minute closing statement from each candidate. Lastly, at any part of the debate, I reserve the right to ask a follow-up question to any of, the, any of the candidates that are with us this morning. So with that said, let's begin our debate. And our opening statement this morning for two minutes will be from Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Thank you very much, Mr. Lina. It is a pleasure to be here at St. Joe's, and I am very appreciative for you holding this debate and being part of this 34-year tradition. The city of Buffalo is better and stronger during my time as mayor of the city of Buffalo. We've cut the tax rate to the lowest level in 30 years. We are spending the most money in the history of our city on youth employment opportunities. We have hired the most diverse workforce in the history of the city of Buffalo. I have implemented community policing programs and numerous police reforms. We created the Roll Program to replace lead lines in the city of Buffalo. There's been over $8 billion of economic development and thousands of jobs created. And for the first time in 70 years, we've seen the population of the city of Buffalo grow. I'm asking every voter to continue the progress in our city and to uh, protect the future of Buffalo for their support and their vote in the November general election for mayor. November 2nd, please write down Byron Brown. Thank you. All right, Ms. Wallen, your opening statement, please. Two minutes. Thank you, Mr. Lina. First, thank you to St. Joe's and the moderators and the participants of this debate. This morning, I'm going to outline a bold vision for building the safe, healthy Buffalo with viable solutions to the profound challenges we face. I'm a registered nurse who's worked in critical care and in Buffalo public schools. I'm an accomplished nonprofit executive who's implemented democratically-led development of permanently affordable housing. For nearly a decade, I've worked with local policy experts to propose smart, sustainable, poverty-reducing initiatives. I'm honored to be the endorsed Democratic nominee for Mayor of Buffalo, and I'm ready to team up with our city's most qualified leaders and hit the ground running on day one. When I'm mayor, we'll finally get serious about public safety and administer evidence-based, data-driven programs that address the root causes of violence and curb the current administration's skyrocketing homicide rate. When I am mayor, we will finally stop padding the windfall profits of downtown developers and instead prioritize healthy communities with safe, stable, affordable housing for all, 
world-class public education, green jobs at union wages, and improved community police relationships. When I'm mayor, we'll finally put our, pull our city out of the poverty that has plagued us for the last 16 years of failed leadership. We will finally remediate a lead poisoning crisis that is worse than Flint's, and we will finally make sure qualities have high quality roads and sidewalks, well-maintained city parks, and livable neighborhoods. It's time for a change, and I am ready to bring about that change. Many of you will be voting for the first time in your lives, and now you finally have a choice. When people talk about low voter, to voter turnout, it's because I've often felt there's not been many choices. Now you have an unprecedented opportunity to choose progress and change for the city of Buffalo. Thank you. Thank you. Our next uh, opening statement, Mr. Carlisle, two minutes. I'm Ben Carlisle, and it's great to be here. I'm not originally from Buffalo. I moved to Buffalo when I was 22 years old and I came here for school. I didn't have any plans to stay initially, but I fell in love with Buffalo, and for the last 18 years I've called Buffalo home. I fell in love with Buffalo for reasons that a lot of lifelong residents take for granted. We hear the slogan, or what a lot of people think is a slogan or a cliche, that Buffalo is a city of good neighbors. When you've moved all around the country and you move to Buffalo, it doesn't take long to realize that Buffalo is a special place. And when you've never had a home and you finally find one, it motivates you to fight like hell to keep it a special place. I have absolutely zero experience in politics. The first thing that most people do when they decide to enter politics is to go and to kiss the ring of the party establishment. I did the direct opposite. The first thing I did when I decided to enter this race was to drop all party affiliation. I was a Democrat for over 20 years, but I left the party when it embraced riots, looting, defunding the police, anti-science mandates, and socialism. Now I support good ideas, not ideology. I support leaders, not politicians. It's time that we leave the parties and join together. It's time that we elect a leader who will put Buffalo first, not party demands first. Byron Brown is an excellent politician, but he's not a leader, he's a follower. He follows the political polls, he follows the political wins, and most importantly, he follows the wishes of his big donors and of his party bosses. Ask anyone who's ever met me and they'll tell you the same thing. I'm a leader, not a follower. I will always stand on principle and I will never stop fighting for this city. On November 2nd, the fight for this city is not going to end. In order to take Buffalo to the next level, it's going to take hard work from the entire community. At the turn of the 20th century, Buffalo was the eighth largest city in the country. It's time for big ideas in this town again. It's time to regain our standing as a major American city. It's time for fresh ideas and new leadership. It's time to recognize our potential and then work together to get there. Thank you very much. At this point, I will ask a direct question to open the debate. There will be no rebuttal, and each candidate will have a minute and a half to respond. All three of our candidates this morning are or were Democrats. Mr. Carlisle was a Democrat. Mr. Brown is a Democrat and lost the primary to Ms. Walton, who refers to herself as a Democratic Socialist. This election is perhaps the most contentious election for this office in the history of Buffalo and has fractured the Democratic Party at both the state and local level. Several prominent Democrats, including the Democratic State Chairman and the Governor, have refused to endorse a candidate. 
However, both New York State Senators have endorsed Ms. Walden. Mr. Brown, and then we'll go th to the other candidates. What do you believe has led to this rift in the party, and do you believe it will have long-term ramifications for the party in this community and in this state going forward? Mr. Brown. Well, I think this race for mayor is important to the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, but it is also important to our nation. Our politics have gotten much too divisive. We are much too divided uh, as a community, as a state, as a nation. I don't see Ms. Walton as a Democrat. Uh, if you look at publications that she has been in all across the country, she's described as a socialist. And I think her ideas for the city of Buffalo are bad, uh, at best, uh, and unworkable. Uh, she wants to defund police. She spent months screaming through a bullhorn uh, that she was demanding that our police be defunded. She wants to raise our taxes immediately. She wants to go after other elected officials up and down uh, the ballot. I don't see that as democratic principles, and I don't see that as someone who will lead with love and respect for others, which I think is critically important uh, for our democracy. Thank, thank you. Ms. Walton? I am the endorsed Democratic nominee for Mayor of Buffalo. We'll start with that. I won the Democratic primary. Um, secondly, I am a self-avowed Democratic Socialist. The first word in that is Democrat. But what socialism means is that I want the same things that most of us want. I want safe, stable, affordable housing. I want a quality education for my children. I want people to have access to health care. I want folks to be healthy, happy, safe, and whole. And I don't think there's anything irresponsible or radical about that idea. I think the fact that I am endorsed by Senator Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand proves that I'm not the divisive candidate. I am the candidate that is the bridge that is bringing the progressive part of the Democratic Party together with the more moderate part of the Democratic Party. But the one thing that I want to stress is that the Democratic Party is the party of everyone in and no one out. We want to provide good quality living wage jobs. We want to make sure that we're taking care of our environment and our planet. We want to make sure that our children and generations to come have clean water to drink and clean air to breathe. And that is what I stand for. It doesn't matter what you call it. This is about the future of our community, the future of our children. This is about creating the safe, healthy Buffalo that prioritizes working people, our most vulnerable, our seniors, and our future. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle. As I mentioned in my opening statement, the rift in the party has come from people trying to drag this party to the far, far, far left. I never thought I'd see the day where I saw a major political party in this country actually advocate for riots, actually advocate for looting, actually advocate for socialism, actually advocate for defunding the police. And you ask what are the long-term ramifications? The Democratic Party, if they keep going this far to the left, will be a tiny little regional party and they will have zero control in this country. We need to bring everyone back to the center again. I'm not so concerned anymore with uh, with the terms, if it's a Republican or a Democrat. As I mentioned right now, I rally around good ideas, not around ideology. These days I rally around good leaders, not politicians. We're gonna have to get rid of these labels if we're gonna wanna go forward in this city. 
But if we keep trying to drag the Democratic Party to the far, far, far left, it's no longer going to have any relevance in this country, in my opinion. Thank you very much. At this point, we'll begin our questions from our panel. And the first direct question will go to Mr. Brown. The other two candidates will have 45-second rebuttal, and then we'll proceed to Ms. Wallen and Mr. Carlisle with their own direct questions. So our first question to Mr. Brown, a minute and a half, please. Mr. Brown, you first took office in 2006. For many of us in the room, you have been the only mayor of Buffalo we have ever known. Between the amount of time you've had in office and your minimal campaigning in the Democratic primary, many have come to believe that you are taking your office for granted. They believe you have become less active in your position, assuming that your reelection is secure purely based on who you are. Considering all of this, how can you justify running for another term when there are others who plan to be more proactive with the position as mayor? And what would you say to the people of Buffalo who feel this way? The campaign for mayor in the primary coincided with uh, a global pandemic, uh, coincided with protests against systemic racism. racism. During the campaign, uh, I worked seven days a week nonstop. My focus was on getting the community uh, through the pandemic, through the crisis uh, that all of us were dealing with, uh, delivering food to people, uh, making sure that people had uh, personal protective equipment, uh, making sure that people were able to get tested uh, for COVID-19, that people were able to get vaccinated, partnering with the federal government, the state government, the county government to help people get vaccinated. My focus at the time was getting our community through one of the most critical public health crises that our city, our state, our nation, our world has ever faced. So I place more focus and more emphasis there. Never took the campaign for granted, would never take this community that I love for granted, but my focus was trying to get people safely through the pandemic. Thank you. Ms. Walton, your rebuttal. I participated in the democratic process. I ran a clean campaign and with an all-volunteer team, successfully won a primary election. I think that everyone has the right to run, and I think that we should focus our campaigns on what the issues are that are facing our community and presenting our plans for the future of Buffalo. So I look forward to sharing more of that with all of you today. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle, your rebuttal? You know, I go around the community, and not a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about Byron Brown. I I've been in Buffalo for 18 years. He's been my mayor for 16 of those 18 years. Unquestionably, this city has gotten better under Byron Brown's leadership. The problem is he's been there for 16 years, and that is just too long for anybody to hold the same position of power. Because after 16 years, you get complacent. After 16 years, you get arrogant. After 16 years, you just start going through the motions and start instead of shooting for the stars. It's time that we dream big in Buffalo. It's time that we shoot for the stars. Byron Brown's going to be a steady minder of the ship, but he doesn't going to take us to that next level. Thank you. Our next direct question from our panel will be addressed to Ms. Walton. Ms. Walton, the past few years have seen an increase in the graduation rate for high schools in the Buffalo Public Schools system. 
rising from approximately 64% in 2019 to 76% in 2020. Critics argue that this increase is largely the result of the waiving of Regents' exam requirements because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Even at that rate, graduation rates are still 10% below the statewide average. An additional serious problem in Buffalo schools is that roughly, percent, roughly 40% of students are chronically absent. A staggering one in three students missed at least 20% of school days last year, and this truancy grew worse once classes resumed meeting in person. If elected, what do you see as the mayor's role in helping our school system succeed? That is, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm a former school nurse, and I know firsthand the challenges that a lot of our students face. I am happy that our graduation rates are up, but I would like for Buffalo Public School graduates to be college and career ready when they graduate. And as a former school nurse, I know firsthand that a lot of those challenges stem from concentrated poverty and disadvantage. Our, our childhood poverty rates in Buffalo are still as high as 43%, sometimes 50 in some neighborhoods. I'll tell you a story. Um, one day I was at work, working in the school system, and there were three sisters who came to me with itchy scalps. Um, and they had lice, which is not unusual in a, in a grade school. It spreads quickly, and you know, though people kind of freak out about it, it's, it's absolutely normal. So I call up their mother, and I say, it's okay, shampoo them really well, and they can come back tomorrow. I'll check them, and they'll be good to go. And their mother's response was, they will be back on Monday, because I don't get paid until Friday. And it was a Tuesday. So as mayor, I know that a $5 bottle of shampoo should not be the cause of students missing three days of school. I would be very um, excited and invigorated to work with existing programs like Say Yes um, to make sure that our children have the wraparound services that they need in the community, but also just being an active partner with the Board of Education and making sure that we're providing services, providing good jobs so that we're lifting people out of poverty, which is the root cause of our lack of educational attainment and truancy in many ways. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. I think it's an excellent question, but unfortunately, the honest answer is there's not a whole lot that the mayor of Buffalo can do to affect anything in the Buffalo Public Schools because the mayor of Buffalo currently has no control over the Buffalo Public Schools. Right now, control of the Buffalo Public Schools is invested almost solely in the school board. So one thing I would do as mayor is go to the state and say, hey, can you give us equal control or at least put some control over the Buffalo Public Schools into City Hall? That way, I could actually have um, some influence in some way, some positive benefit to the schools. But right now, there's almost no benefit. The one thing I have said is I want to start a, um, a program with local chefs and local farms and try to do a pilot program in one school, um, try to create nutritious meals for kids. It's one thing we could start their day off right. It's the one thing I could do with hopefully donations and people volunteering their time and without using taxpayer dollars. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Brown? As mayor of the city of Buffalo, I've partnered closely with the Buffalo Public Schools. I was one of the people that was an advocate to bring Say Yes uh, Buffalo to our school district uh, to assist uh, young people with educational attainment, uh, to help them do better in school, and a commitment that every young person that graduates from a Buffalo Public School or a uh, Buffalo Charter School would be able to get a scholarship to go on to college. Uh, this year, after the pandemic, we created the Earn to Learn program to provide resources for young people to be able to get back on track going to uh, summer school uh, with pay to be able to do that. Thank you. Our next direct question goes to Mr. Carlisle. Gentrification is a process by which wealthier residents move into a poorer area 
improving the housing in the community, and generally raising property costs, which then tends to displace lower income residents who have lived in the neighborhood sometimes for decades. Over the last 10 years, rent prices have skyrocketed in Buffalo, averaging $1,243 for a one-bedroom apartment, according to Zillow.com. Currently, the area seeing the most gentrification is the Fruit Belt, which is adjacent to the medical corridor. This has raised fears that lower-income residents could be priced out of their communities. Mr. Carlisle, what is your plan to balance the economic development of the Fruit Belt in cooperation with the medical campus and deal with the gentrification caused by this development? I think, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot governments can do to stop gentrification. The only thing you could actually do to stop it is to take someone's property away, which is what socialists like to do. That's the only way you could do it. You could go up to someone and say, nope, you can't buy that house, you can't fix it up, and you can't sell it. And I just think that's horrible. I think there's certain things we could do to try to stem the tide, but you can't take people's property rights away, or at least not in a democratic society you can't. If we go socialist, maybe we could. I hope we don't do that. I hope that we find better solutions. The city of Buffalo has 7,000 vacant lots that, th that it owns. We could develop those, those 7,000 lots. We could build houses on those lots. We could sell them at an affordable cost to first-time home buyers. That's the sort of thing I'd like to see done. But I, I don't see any way that you can get government to stop gentrification short of taking someone's property rights away, and I don't support that. Thank you. Rebuttal, Mr. Brown. During my time as mayor, we've built over 2,200 units of affordable housing with another 1,000 units under production now. I've set a goal of 40% permanent affordability for all housing units in the city of Buffalo. We're close to 25%. Also, cutting the tax rate has been important to keeping the city affordable, giving people the opportunity to be able to purchase homes. The tax rate in Buffalo now is the lowest level it has been in 30 years also giving um, small landlords the ability, if they choose to, to keep rents lower. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Ms. Walton? Well, as the founding executive director of the Fruitvale Community Land Trust, I have a solution. Um, the city is the largest landowner, holding more than 5,000 vacant properties and parcels that are ripe for infill housing. In fact, the city's own housing study from 2017 said that it's not that housing costs, uh, costs are astronomical, it is that the um, wages have not kept up with the rate of inflation. Also, the housing stock is so old, and there are still some homes that are not valued high enough to um, qualify for trad traditional mortgages. So under a Walton administration, we are going to close the racial wealth and home ownership gap by extending micro-mortgages and alternative um, methods of financing mortgage while bolstering um, community land trust in the community. Thank you. Our second panel question, uh, for a direct question now goes to Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, you have claimed over the years to have run an ethical administration despite various allegations of corruption. For example, your administration is currently under investigation regarding the handing out of contracts to the Modern Company, a trash disposal company that has contributed almost $70,000 to your campaign since 2005. There is also a recent Buffalo News story that alleges your administration has awarded exclusive property development deals to campaign contributors without the proper open public bidding, and that well over half of the federal funding available through the Buffalo Urban Renewal Agency has gone to campaign contributors. How do you respond to these allegations, and what changes have you enacted to make your administration more transparent? The administration is completely transparent. We follow all of the rules 
uh, set by the federal government and state government for bidding. Uh, the administration has not been uh, notified that we are under investigation for anything. So while uh, there has been activity from agencies uh, looking at the operation of city government, uh, there has been no determination uh, that the administration is under investigation uh, for any of those things. I can tell you we have a very effective federal government. We have a very effective law enforcement arm of the federal government. If there was anything uh, that was being done wrong uh, in the Brown administration, I would no longer be mayor of the city of Buffalo because the federal government would find that it would be rooted out. So that simply is not accurate. That simply is not happening. Uh, all people that run for office have to raise money. That is our American uh, system of government. Uh, running for office is very expensive. And for people uh, that build things, uh, people uh, that invest in the community, uh, it is perfectly legal uh, for them to invest in the candidates that they believe will do the best job for the community. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Ms. Walton? Um, Mayor Brown is right. Political campaigns are very expensive, and I am so proud that we have been able to run a campaign that is powered by small grassroots contributors. Our average donation is $50, and we've not accepted a single dollar from large developers or corporations, and I'm proud that I am going to be beholden to and accountable to those 17,000 people who've powered this campaign and the 270,000 residents of Buffalo, New York, and I am not going to be beholden to large developers and corporations who fund my campaign. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. Uh, Ms. Walton just said that she hasn't taken any money from developers or corporations. That's because not one developer in this town would be foolish enough to give her five cents. It's just not going to happen. And I can make one promise. I'm not going to get into the specific allegations against Mayor Brown. I'll let him speak to those. But I can just make one promise, that when I'm mayor, City Hall is going to work for everyone again. No one's going to be cutting the line to get services, and we certainly are not going to be giving out advantages to the people who least need them. We're going to have transparency in City Hall, and we're going to have a city that works for everybody. Thank you. Our next direct question will go to Ms. Walton. Ms. Walton, despite being the Democratic candidate, you have also been endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America and personally describe yourself as a Democratic Socialist. The Democratic Socialists of America define the ideology as one that will put in place, quote, a system where ordinary people have a real voice in our workplaces, neighborhoods, and society. And further that, Democratic Socialists want a democracy powered by everyday people. How will your policies and goals as mayor reflect this ideology? much. And um, for those who haven't visited my website yet, my policy platform is very detailed. It's on our website at www.indiawalton.com. A lot of the reason why I identify it as a democratic socialist is just for that reason. I am an everyday person. I'm not a career politician. And I see problems in my community. And not only do I see them for myself, but I've talked to folks every single day. And a lot of us are experiencing the same problems. My policy platform really centers around something called co-governance and deep democracy. It means that the 
decisions aren't going to be made behind closed doors by the most powerful and elite in our society. It means that I'm going to be out in the community, my staff and I, we're going to be talking to black club leaders, we're going to be doing neighborhood planning at the neighborhood level and finding out what everyday impacted people want for themselves. I believe that the people closest to the problem are closest to the solution and that government's role is to resource those people to be able to create the solutions and implement them for ourselves. Thank you, rebuttal. Mr. Carlisle. Ms. Walton now says that she's a democratic socialist and of course she says that to try to alleviate our fears because our fears are well-founded because last year she didn't go around telling people that she's a democratic socialist. Last year she proudly proclaimed that she was a socialist. There was no qualifications, there was no caveats, she just said that she was a socialist. So now she's saying she's a democratic socialist and she tells us that all that really means is that she believes in basic human rights. So with the balance of my time, I'd like to turn it back to Ms. Walton and just give us three positions of socialism that you disagree with. I'm sick of hearing all the stuff that you do agree with about socialism, but what are just three things that you disagree with? Thank you. Mr. Uh, Brown, your re uh, rebuttal? We have to recognize that part of Ms. Walton's narrative is just untrue. She said that she was a, su a successful not-for-profit housing executive when she didn't build a single house. The goal of the agency that she ran was to build 50 affordable houses in the Fruit Belt. They didn't build one. When I pressed her on this in the last debate, uh, she claimed that she built two. Habitat for Humanity built those two houses. She has no record of success with her ideas or philosophies. In fact, she's been a failed housing executive. Thank you. Our next direct question to Mr. Carlisle. Mr. Carlisle, in the wake of both federal and New York State COVID vaccine mandates for workers in many industries, there have been several anti-vaccine protests in the area, including one in Niagara Square in September, staged by healthcare workers, and another one just this past Monday, staged by workers in Elma. Various news reports have you in attendance at both of these rallies. Do you oppose COVID-19 vaccine mandates? And if so, do you also oppose decade-old routine vaccination mandates for school children, such as mumps, measles, and polio? It's a good question. First of all, I didn't just attend the rally in September, I organized the rally in September. And the news media mentioned that I was there, but they failed to broadcast my remarks because at that rally, I made it very, very, very clear that I am not against vaccines, I'm not against masks. What I'm against is mandates. And I've made that perfectly, perfectly clear. And but what people get repeated is, oh, and I've heard Ms. Walton say it, Ben Carlisle's an anti-masker, Ben Carlisle's an anti-vaxxer. I'm not. Most of my friends are vaccinated. A lot of my family's vaccinated. I think it's a great choice for a lot of people, but for some people it's not, and I am absolutely against mandates. I've made that very, very clear. Thank you. Rebuttal, Mr. Brown? COVID-19 is the worst public health crisis in over 100 years affecting our entire planet. I encourage everyone to get vaccinated because vaccination saves lives. I've been to the funerals of many people who did not get vaccinated, who did not believe in mandates, who did not believe in getting vaccinated, who died. Uh, to protect yourself, to protect your family, uh, to protect the members of our community, I encourage everyone to get vaccinated. Thank you. At this point in the debate, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to begin 
with a commercial aired by Mr. Brown. And, oh, I'm awful sorry, your rebuttal. Yeah, thank you. Um, as a school nurse, I can assure you that vaccine mandates are not new. Um, there are exceptions to be made for religious or medical reasons dependent upon your um, primary care physician. And I called for a vaccine mandate back in September, which the current mayor has failed to do. I also have visited New York City, and I'm very impressed that they don't use the honor system. But in order to be in public spaces with no mask, you have to prove your vaccination status. And that is how we are going to be able to move forward through this pandemic. Pandemic. It's not over yet. We're not on the other side of it. So I also encourage everyone to be vaccinated, to be safe, um, but also would, as mayor, implement um, a vaccine mandate. Thank you. Thank you very much, and I apologize. At this point in the debate, what we're going to do is show a commercial aired by Mr. Brown and Ms. Wallen, and we're going to allow the other two candidates to respond to Mr. Brown's commercial but there will be no rebuttal on his part. They have a minute and a half. We will then air a Miss Wallen commercial, and Brown and Mr. Carlisle will respond. And in Mr. Carlisle's case, he has a message on the internet that we're going to air part of, and the other two candidates will get to respond to his message. So let's begin with the uh, commercial that Mr. Brown has been airing, at least one of the commercials. If India Walton becomes mayor, 100 police officers will be fired, including me. And me. All, All of us. us will lose our jobs. India Walton plans to cut $7.5 million from the police department. That means firing 100 police officers. And since the city is required to lay off the newest officers first, most of us are women and people of color. Our job is keeping Buffalo safe. We can't do that under India Walton. Ms. Wallen, you have a minute and a half to respond to his commercial. Thank you. I want to begin by acknowledging Lindsay Daddario, who took that photo of me, and um, that photo is proprietary. It actually belongs to the Associated Press, and um, the Brown campaign has not had permission to use it. Secondly, there is nothing in my plans that will eliminate 100 police officers from the police force. Um, that is just, it's false, it's fear-mongering, and because my opponent has no plan for the future of Buffalo, he resorts to falsehoods, fear, and um, personal attacks on me. It's unfortunate, and with this last 30 seconds, I just want to be like, hey, Ava. <laughs> Mr. Carlisle, your response? My response is that, frankly, that ad did not go far enough, because Indy Walton doesn't want to just cut $7.5 million from the budget, for the police department, which would result in 100 less officers. Now, she says she's not going to fire them. She's going to wait until they quit, and when they quit, they won't be replaced. I guarantee you that 100 officers are going to quit on day one when Indy Walton becomes mayor. And because she's promised she's not going to replace them, guess what? That results in 100 fewer police officers on the street. And it's not just what's in her written plans, as the mayor said. It's what Indy Walton went around and screamed into a megaphone all last year screaming things like, we know that police do not keep our communities safe. We need to defund the police. So when Indy Wong scratches her head and says, I can't for the life of me figure out why people think I want to defund the police. Could it have anything to do with the fact that you went around with a bullhorn screaming that you want to defund the police and that you don't think police keep our communities safe? It might just be that. 
Thank you very much. We will now air a Miss Wallen commercial where Mr. Brown does get to respond along with Mr. Carlisle. Buffalo, a city with a lot of pride and a few too many bad headlines out of City Hall. Indictments, corruption, mismanagement, that's not who we are. I'm India Walton and I'm running to change all that. I'm running to make the government work for us and not just the big money crowd. I'm sure you've heard a few things about me, but hear it from me. Buffalo is my home and I love this place. I was born here, became a nurse here, raised my kids here. I ran a nonprofit here to create affordable housing and safer communities. I'm running to be your mayor, to do the things our neighbors need and shake up City Hall. After 15 years, we've all had enough of corruption, indictments, and mismanagement. We deserve some results for a change. So Buffalo, now's your chance. Let's build a better city together. You just gotta show up. Paid for by Friends of India Walton. Mr. Carlisle, your response to the commercial? Uh, it's a nice feel-good commercial. There's not a lot of substance, but I will give India Walton that. That's a nice feel-good commercial. Certainly doesn't make me want to vote for, but nice commercial. <laughs> Mr. Brown, your response to the commercial? I was going to ask somebody for a Kleenex. It almost brought a tear to my eye. Uh, I, I will say that there is a lot that's inaccurate in the commercial. Uh, first of all, India Walton is not a successful nonprofit executive. She is a failed nonprofit executive. She had a plan to build 50 houses. She didn't build a single house when she was the executive director of a nonprofit organization, and she's trying to take credit for two houses being built by Habitat for Humanity. And I rescued the finances of the city when I came into office in 2006, when Buffalo was in fiscal distress. And this year, through a global pandemic, was able to manage the city of Buffalo without raising taxes, without cutting services, or laying off a single employee. Thank you very much. We're now going to air a brief video that uh, Mr. Carlisle has been posted online. Mr. Carmyle's video, please. Carlisle, excuse me. Hi, I'm Ben Carlisle, and I'm running for mayor of Buffalo. According to India Walton's Socialist Manifesto, Buffalo's only problem is not enough government. In reality, the only thing hindering Buffalo's full renaissance is way too much government. Ironically, the only area of funding that India Walton wants to cut is the one area that desperately needs its funding preserved, law enforcement. The increase in crime under Brown's neglect is unacceptable, and India Walton's plan to defund the police is more than idiotic, it's downright dangerous. The inability to hold dangerous criminals with bail is making a revolving door for our police who must arrest the same individuals over and over again. And telling criminals ahead of time which crimes won't be prosecuted is just an invitation for more crime. While I support... Thank you. Mr. Brown, your response to the commercial? Well, Mr. Carlisle is right. Uh, Ms. Walton has said that she wants to cut the police budget. Uh, she did, for the better part of 2020, uh, run around the city of Buffalo with a bullhorn to her mouth, uh, saying that she demanded that police be defunded. I pressed her on this issue in the last debate. She said she had a study that said you could cut 
more than $16 million from the police department budget. You know how that would be achieved? By taking uniforms from police officers, uh, by taking equipment from uh, police officers. Uh, her plans for policing in the city of Buffalo not only would defund police, it would destroy public safety in our community. Ms. Walden, your response? I want to be clear that police respond after crimes have been committed. My plan gets to the root cause of crime. So reallocations mean that we're spending more resources on things that we shouldn't be expecting police to do in the first place, like respond to mental health calls when there's no threat of violence or harm, like respond to homelessness outreach, like respond to quality of life issues like high grass and parking issues and loud music. Those are things that we are tasking our officers to do that are slowing response times and distracting them from responding to crimes like burglary and homicides. My plan is a responsible use of taxpayer dollars. There's $3 million in the police budget that is marked miscellaneous. And because our government has been wholly opaque and unaccountable, I can't tell you today what that miscellaneous $3 million is. Perhaps it includes uniforms, but I'm not sure why police officers need new uniforms every single year. We have to be more responsible, and when we talk about fiscal responsibility, we have an administration that has spent down $100 million surplus over the course of the last decade. We have a $0 fund balance right now, and if not for the, 60, the $360 million American Rescue Plan, we would be $60 million in debt right now. Thank you very much. We are now going to ask a direct question to each candidate. There will be no rebuttal. They have a minute and a half to respond, beginning with Mr. Brown. And the question will be presented by Aaron Hall, who is the president of our Equity and Justice Club here at St. Joe's. Good morning. My name is Aaron Hall and I'm a senior here at St. Joe's. And as Mr. Liner said, I'm the president of the Equity and Justice Club. As the president of the club, I'd like to direct this next question to Mr. Brown. With all of the focus on health over the past few years, which is great, there's still dense food deserts and food insecurities in Buffalo, especially on the east side of Buffalo. The main problem of this is citizens there will have a struggle trying to access fresh produce as an alternative to the vast amount of fast food restaurants in the area. I've personally gone to grocery stores and have seen moldy bread and less than percent blue produce for sale. With these factors in play, it makes it convenient to get fast food instead of going to a grocery store. What would be your solution to fixing this problem? My solution has been to work to bring supermarkets uh, to the city of Buffalo. As a city council member, I brought a Topps Market to Jefferson Avenue. As mayor of the city of Buffalo, we kept the Broadway Market alive, providing fresh fruits and vegetables to the residents of that community. Uh, we were able to build, bring in Aldi's also uh, to Broadway on the east side of Buffalo. And just recently, we brought a Bray Miller Market to downtown Buffalo, not only serving the downtown community, uh, but serving people on the east and the west sides of Buffalo. I believe that by partnering uh, with the private sector and with the business community, we can bring more um, uh, supermarkets, we can bring more quality food into the inner city, partnering with the residents of our community as well, and eliminate the food deserts that presently exist in the city of Buffalo. And I will just say as I wrap that up, Ms. Walton was wrong about the city's fund balance. There is $89 million 
uh, in the fund balance. Uh, over $38 million of that uh, is the rainy day fund that I created as mayor of the city of Buffalo that did not exist before I became mayor of Buffalo. Thank you. Mr. Uh, Ms. Wallen, your response? I am going to work with the Common Council to make sure that our food store licenses include there's actual food in the stores. Um, you know, if you've ever been downstate, you know bodegas, you can readily find fresh fruits and vegetables and decent food, and it's not the same way in our corner stores. So in order for corner stores moving forward to be able to maintain licensing, they're going to have to provide fresh foods. And I'm also interested in working with nonprofits like Massachusetts Avenue Project to expand their programming, and also working with folks in the private sector, like Alex Wright from the African Heritage Food Co-op, who's done a lot of work in helping to um, increase access to fresh foods um, in, in communities where there's lack of access. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle? I like a part of Ms. Wallen's answer because she wants to start at the bodega level. I think that's great. I live on the west side. There's a bodega two feet from me. But you know what? Most of what they sell is absolute junk food. I'd love to get bodegas to sell better food, but I don't want to use sticks. I'd rather use carrots. Ms. Walton says she wants to you know, tie their licensing to making sure that they sell fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. I'd rather do it more of an incentive base, give them some tax credits to encourage them to do that. I don't like to use sticks. I'd rather use carrots. But I think it's actually a really good idea. If it works, great. I don't know that it will. You can't force people to sell good food, but you can certainly encourage them to do so. Thank you. We, we will resume the questions from the panel in our next direct question, which lends itself to rebuttal from each candidate. We'll begin with Mr. Brown. In 2021, Buffalo saw a 61% increase in shootings from the months of January to July, compared to the average over the last decade. Police Deputy Commissioner Joseph A. Gamralia has accredited the increase in homicides in 2021 to gang violence within the city. Mr. Brown, you have been in office since 2006. Although Buffalo's violence problem is not as bad as it was in 2006, the trend in violence in Buffalo is only getting worse. Do you believe Commissioner Gamalia's accreditation to gang violence being responsible for the uptick in violence? And what has your administration done to address this increase in violence in the city? Uh, we've done a lot and we will be doing a lot more. Uh, from 2006 uh, to 2019, crime in all categories fell year after year in the city of Buffalo. We also established some very effective strategies that had to be suspended during the pandemic that are being resumed now, where we are taking more guns off the streets, where we're doing custom notifications, going to the homes of at-risk youth and young adults, notifying their families of the types of activities they're engaged in uh, that could cause them to be victims of violence or to perpetuate violence. I think it's important uh, to note uh, that the activities of my opponent, uh, Ms. Walton, made it more difficult for the police to do their job because they had to um, respond to protests, they had to respond to things being lit on fire, they had to respond to things being broken. Uh, she is an attacker of police in the city of Buffalo 
and someone that has been an apologist for criminals. I don't think we can make apologies uh, for criminal behavior in our community. I think we have to be aggressive in addressing criminal behavior in the community, and there can be no excuses uh, for criminal behavior that interrupts the quality of life in our community. Thank you. Ms. Walden, your rebuttal? I would again like to stress that police respond after crimes are committed and don't prevent them from happening in the first place. And my plan gets to the root causes. We are going to use evidence-based data-driven programs to make sure that we're getting resources into our young people and folks who have a high propensity to be involved in criminal activity to make sure they don't have to resort to it in the first place. And if they make the mistake of being involved, that they, we are creating pathways for some alternative where they don't have to be involved in that lifestyle. I would also add that during the the first, the first protest, I was the one who was telling young people to stay home, um, to, to not go out because we were not prepared, not organized. And when I got involved, there were no incidences of violence. Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. I think, honestly, over the last 16 years, Mayor Brown has been a pretty good steward over the police department. I think if you look at before the illegal and unconstitutional lockdowns, in my opinion, we were kind of trending in the right way. I don't attribute the spike in crime in 2020 and 2021 to gang violence. I think any reasonable person knows that the spike in crime was due to the lockdowns. If you look around the country, you look at the states and the cities that didn't lock down the way that Buffalo did, that didn't lock down the way that New York State did, that didn't close their schools for the entirety of last year, that didn't close their small businesses, that didn't close their churches, they didn't have these same types of problems. So I think if we can make sure that we never ever lock down this city again, which is my promise, we'll probably continue to trend in the right direction. Thank you. Our next direct question to Ms. Walton. Ms. Walton, you claim that Mr. Brown's development of Buffalo has been a failure and has ignored the most at-need residents in the east side. Mr. Brown has secured all of the following for the east side, $65 million for the Buffalo Billion, $23.2 million for the elderly housing, and $35 million for affordable housing and other funding added up to a total of almost half a billion dollars throughout his administration. Yet, despite this inv investment, a 2019 sur survey reveals that one-third of the Buffalo-Niagara metro region residents live at or below the poverty line, most of which resides in the east side. How would you, as mayor, address the economic development of the east side? Thank you for your question. I think that the failure in economic development is that we are using an approach where we are um, providing resources to the wealthy and well-to-do and the large-scale develop developers who are developing a lot of market rate projects and waiting for it to trickle down to the, the neighborhood level, and that's just not um, a good strategy. Right now, the city of Buffalo still is the third poorest of the size in the nation, and we have failed to address um, creating infill housing. The prior administration's answer to blight was demolishing over 8,000 vacant structures without a plan to replace them. In fact, um, Dr. Henry Lewis Taylor from the UB Department of Urban Studies recently came out with a study called The Harder We Run that says that um, black Buffalonians who primarily occupy the east side of Buffalo have not made any significant progress in their socioeconomic standing in the last 30 years. I am the candidate who not only has a plan, but who was willing to work with folks on the ground at the neighborhood level to develop strategic plans that make sure that we are developing in a way that is not displacing people, that, that is ensuring that we are closing the racial wealth and home ownership gap, that ensures that we are maintaining good amenities like city parks and sidewalks and roads, and that folks have a pathway up out of poverty. 
Thank you. Your rebuttal, Mr. Carlisle. I think your question itself kind of, to me, highlights what the problem is because we always think it's money. Oh, Byron Brown gave $10 million here and $30 million here and $40 million here. And we gave all this money and why haven't the problems been resolved? That's the Democratic's playbook. Let's raise more taxes, let's spend more money, and all our problems will go away. It's just not working. So one of the things I've promised is, as mayor, I'm going to start listening more. I promised to do a monthly block club meeting with all presidents of block clubs and really listen and figure out what their concerns are and figure out how we can change the problems without always just spending more money. Thank you. Our next, uh, let's see, Mr. Brown, your rebuttal. Uh, so we do have monthly meetings with block clubs. We routinely uh, meet with residents of the community. We've also done some very strategic things like the building of the Northland Workforce Training Center, uh, which is providing training to people in advanced manufacturing and other uh, high-wage jobs that are coming online in our community. Uh, to date, hundreds of people have received training from the Northland Work Workforce Training Center, 54% uh, of them people of color, uh, starting at salaries of between $35,000 a year to over $65,000 a year. We are going to be doing more rapid upskilling of people throughout the city of Buffalo going forward in the next four years. Thank you. Our next direct question to Mr. Carlisle. Badly neglected houses, vacant either through foreclosure or other reasons, are called zombie houses. These have been an increasing problem in western New York. The county clerk's office reports that there are over 800 of these zombie houses located in Erie County, most of which are in the city of Buffalo. Many financial experts predict that this problem will grow worse now that the federal moratorium on foreclosures has expired. As mayor, what would you do to reduce the problem of zombie homes in the city of Buffalo? I think you just got to start with enforcing the rules that we have on the book. We've got a housing court. It's got rules. And unfortunately, we just don't enforce it all that well. We've got out-of-town landlords, zombie landlords, whatever you want to call them. And it just happens, and it happens, and it happens. And a lot of times, we don't catch the problem until a circuit breaker burns the whole house down. So I think where you start is with the rules we already have in place. If the housing court says they need more rules, they need more teeth, I'll go. I'll help them with that. But right now, we just need to start enforcing the rules that are on the books. Thank you. Your rebuttal? Yes. Uh, the city has uh, worked with other partners to crack down on zombie houses and other problem properties in the city. Uh, as you heard Ms. Walton say, uh, I've been able to work with partners to demolish over 8,000 vacant houses in the city of Buffalo during my tenure as mayor. Uh, many of those properties were next door to uh, homeowners. Uh, down the street from homeowners, homeowners around the corner from homeowners who could not get homeowners insurance because of the presence of those problem properties. We removed a lot of that blight, removed a lot of those properties that threatened other homes in our neighborhoods. Thank you. Rebuttal? I believe that proactive inspections um, will help us go a long way, but also using legal instruments to take homes into receiverships that have been abandoned and put them back to productive use, either by giving them to nonprofits to be able to make affordable units or by giving them to first-time homeowners to make sure that we're growing our tax base and that people have safe, affordable, um, stable places to live. So, you know, 
it's out there. We have we already have organizations like the um, Buffalo Erie Niagara Land Improvement Corporation that is able to receive these homes and have resources available to put them back to productive use. So I would rather preserve um, and have properties be online than just tear them down, not replacing them with anything. Thank you. At this point, I'm going to ask a direct question to wrap up the debate, and then we will begin closing remarks from each candidate, and they will have three minutes. We asked our students, uh, what's a question that they would like asked? It was a big surprise to me. It had to do with the Buffalo Bills. At any rate, as you know, this is a question that's being asked throughout the community. Buffalo Bills owners Terry and Kim Pagula have recently unveiled plans for a possible new stadium for the team. This plan calls for a 60,000-seat venue, which is more than 10,000 seats fewer than Highmark Stadium currently has, but would include many modern amenities that newer stadiums have and Hallmark does not. If the stadium were to be built in Orchard Park, the cost would be roughly $1.4 billion. However, if it was built in Buffalo, they're estimating that it would cost $2.4 billion. The expectation is that the vast amount of the cost using either option would be paid by the taxpayers of our county. As mayor, would you like to see a new stadium in the city even if the cost exceeded an additional $1 billion, Mr. Brown? I would love to see a new stadium in the city of Buffalo. Uh, I think, though, we have to look at return on investment and what it would produce uh, to the residents of the city and the region. I believe a new stadium should be built with a community benefits agreement to benefit the residents of the community. Many stadiums across the country, new stadiums, have been built with community benefits agreements. Uh, money is critically important. Uh, it would be easy for me to say what I want when the city is not a party to the stadium agreement. The stadium agreement is between the state of New York, the county of Erie, and the ownership of the Buffalo Bills, the, Pagool the Pagoulas. Uh, the city does not have any financial skin in the game, uh, so it is difficult for me to say what should happen when I am not at the negotiating table as mayor. It's almost unfair. Obviously, would love to see a downtown stadium. I think the stadium originally being put in Orchard Park was one of the great planning mistakes of the city and region. Other parts of the country that have stadiums in their downtown are much more vibrant, have produced many more jobs, uh, and it has been a benefit not only to those cities but the entire region. Thank you. Ms. Walton? Our alignment on this issue gives me hope for the future. I also believe that it would be great to have a downtown stadium. I don't want to see people displaced. I don't want taxpayer dollars to go to line the pockets of someone who's already super wealthy. But I think, you know, as a lifelong Buffalonian and as a Bills fan, um, 
I would love nothing better than to see a downtown stadium that is built with um, a, a community benefits agreement that has long-standing benefits to the surrounding community, but that is also developed in a transit-oriented way so that we're not building something that's contingent upon 800 parking spots, but that folks can use public transit to get there. I think it would be great. Um, but again, um, because the city is not at the negotiating table, we can talk all day about what our aspirations are for a new stadium, but realistically, um, with, without the um, cooperation of the folks who are cu currently negotiating, our opinions at this point don't, don't matter a whole bunch. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle. We had the same question at the last debate, and we heard the same, same answers, and I'm going to give the same answer I gave it the last time. I wouldn't just love to see a stadium in downtown Buffalo. I'm going to fight to get a stadium in downtown Buffalo. That's the difference. Ms. Walton, Mayor Brown said, yeah, geez, it would be great. I'm going to fight to make sure that it happens. Right now, the mayor is not at the negotiating table. The mayor needs to get at the negotiating table. The mayor needs to pick up the phone and say, what's it going to take to make this happen? What can the city of Buffalo do to contribute to make this a reality? Not just hold a press conference and say that it would be great, but to be an advocate for the city to make sure that it happens. I will fight tooth and nail. I won't just wish it to happen. I'll fight for it to happen. Thank you. We will now begin our closing remarks. We will reverse the order. Mr. Carlisle will be going first, followed by Ms. Wallen, and then concluding with Mr. Brown. Mr. Carlisle, you have three minutes. This morning, Byron Brown has argued that India Walden is not ready to be mayor. He's absolutely correct. Ms. Walden has argued that after 16 years of Byron Brown, it's time for a new mayor. She's also absolutely correct. It would be disingenuous of me to get up here and tell you that Buffalo hasn't improved under Byron Brown's watch. It has. But as I mentioned earlier, after 16 years, you get complacent. After 16 years, you get arrogant. After 16 years, you start going through the motions instead of shooting for the stars. It's time to dream big in Buffalo. Dreaming big means fighting for a new Bill Stadium in downtown Buffalo. Dreaming big means a major investment in our infrastructure by redoing our water lines, our sewer lines, and burying our utilities. Dreaming big means transforming Buffalo into one of the greenest and cleanest cities in America. Unfortunately, dreams will not come true if we elect India Walton as our mayor. Instead, a nightmare will become a reality. Ms. Walton has argued that she deserves to be mayor because she's real, she's resilient, and she's ready. I would argue that she is none of the above. Let's first examine whether or not she's real. To get to that question, you have to pose the proper question. Who is the real India Walton? Is the real India Walton the person who went around last summer with a megaphone screaming that she wants to defund the police and that they don't keep our community safe? Or is the real India Walton the one who comes up here and speaks meekly into the microphone and says, no, I don't want to do that? Is the real India Walton a racial and social justice warrior? Or is the real India Walton the person who went on Facebook and told a common council member that he's a tender, blank, white man? Let's go with resiliency. How resilient is she? Every single time Indy Walton makes a mistake, she blames someone else, she points the finger, she plays the victim. There's a word for that, but it certainly isn't resiliency. How ready is India Walton? India Walton can't keep track of her unpaid parking tickets, she can't keep track of her taxes, and she can't keep a job. India Walton is not real, she is not resilient, she is not ready. But Buffalo is ready for a new mayor, and Buffalo's ready for a new mayor who will put the city first, not party politics first. I'm going to get things done by working with everyone, regardless of party affiliation. I don't want to just reach across the aisle. I want to get rid of the aisle altogether. 
It's going to take hard work from the entire community in order to get things done. I've had a job since I was nine years old. I am not afraid of hard work. Because I did not reach out to the party bosses and kiss the ring at the outset, I'm not going to be on the ballot. So if you want to vote for me, you're going to have to go to the bottom right-hand corner of the ballot. You're going to have to circle in the oval that says write in. And then you have to write my name, Ben Carlisle, in that same box. On November 2nd, we can make history by electing the first socialist mayor in this country since 1960, or we can make history by electing a write-in candidate with no party affiliation. Let's make history that our kids can be proud and happy about. Let's write in Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Wallen, your closing remarks. Um. Who is India Walton? <laughs> um, I most definitely am real. I am certainly resilient. And I am also ready. I, I think that more about my personal life has been on display the last three months than anyone else on this stage. And I have been fully accountable. I am resilient because you've seen that things for me have not always been perfect. I grew up in Buffalo. I grew up poor. I had a baby when I was a teenager. And despite all of that, I went on to become a nurse and a successful nonprofit director. No one else can define for me who I am or what success means to me. And I want each and every one of you to carry that with you. Success is what you define it to be for yourself. I am a success and I am ready. I am ready because I know what the problems of everyday Buffalonians are. I am a mother, I am a nurse, I am a person who is a coalition builder. I've worked in cross-sector and broad coalition partnerships for a number of years to advance smart policy solutions. And time after time after time again, the barrier to the success of a lot of those policy proposals was the second floor of City Hall. Now we have an opportunity to have a person who is going to be open, honest, transparent, listen to, and value the opinions and the ideas of others. A person who has a bold vision and a plan for the future of Buffalo. Think about the kind of Buffalo you want to see over the next four years, the next eight years. And I'll stop there because I'm not going to be in office for 12 and 16 years. I think that every politician has a shelf life and at a certain point it's time to just make room. So I'm asking you today to go to line A, vote it just all the way across. I am the Democratic nominee. I am the only person on the ballot. I am endorsed by Kirsten Gillibrand, by Chuck Schumer, by Rashid Wyatt, by the Erie County Democratic Party. I am the endorsed nominee for mayor of Buffalo, the endorsed Democratic nominee for mayor of Buffalo. I promise you I will not let you down. I will always be accessible. I will always be transparent. I will always be real with you. And you will always have an open door and an open heart and open ears with an India Walton administration. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Brown, your closing remarks. I want to thank St. Joe's for giving us the opportunity to be here with all of you today and to debate the important issues that face the city of Buffalo. And when we talk about important issues for all of us in this room and for all of us in the community, this is the most critical election for mayor in our lifetime. There is a lot at stake. And I have been able to successfully manage the city of Buffalo through every crisis that has come up since I took office as mayor. In fact, crises uh, that are the worst in the history of this city, coming in during the Great Recession and having a city 
budget and city finances in shambles, hundreds of city employees that were laid off, programs and services that were cut. I had to restore all that. I had to stabilize the city's finances. And at the same time that I was doing that, we got hit with an October surprise storm that knocked out power across the entire city. I had to manage our city through that. And in 2020, a global health pandemic that took hundreds, millions of lives across the globe. And I managed our city through that without laying off a single employee, without uh, raising taxes, and without cutting services. This is a time where experience matters. All of the students in this room, this is about your future. This is about what kind of community you want to live in with what kind of opportunities you want to have. I know how to help grow this economy. I know how to partner with the development community. I know how to bring jobs to the city of Buffalo. I've done it before. I can and I will do it again. We've been bold. We've been creative. We have been some of the most creative in terms of administrations across the country. One of the first mayors in the country uh, to establish the, the position of um, a chief service officer. One of the first mayors in uh, the country to create the position of chief diversity officer to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion so that when our city does well, everyone does well. So I am asking when you vote to write down Byron Brown, uh, to continue the progress in our city, and to protect the future for each and every one of us in Buffalo and Western New York. Thank you. Before we conclude by giving the candidates a small token of our appreciation, I have been interviewed several times over the last two days. The question I've been asked most frequently is, Mr. Lina, what makes for a successful debate? This is what a successful debate is. Why? They answered the questions. Unlike many presidential contests, candidates make up their own questions and answer their, their question. I am so grateful for each of our candidates for being with us and for continuing this proud tradition here at St. Joe's. Let's thank them for being with us this morning. Thank you, Mr. Lina. My name is Pat Hennigan, and I'm a senior here at St. Joe's. On behalf of the students and faculty here at St. Joe's, I would like to thank Mr. Byron Brown, Ms. India Walton, and Mr. Benjamin Carlisle for taking the time out of their busy schedules before the election to debate here at St. Joe's. The student body would like to present gifts that we have prepared for each of the candidates as a thank you for, Saint, for visiting here at St. Joe's. Thank you very much, and with that, our debate is concluded for this morning. 
Thank you very much to the student body and once again to our candidates. If you listen to the socialists and the communists, this is all they have to say about what is coming to the Democratic Party and its current leadership. The tired, tired, old Democratic Party that is beholden to big money. We are winning race after race. We're winning the war of ideas. We're winning over the people. The people were already there. And it's about time, my friends, that we have more people holding office who share our values and our ideas. I mean, this is how crazy, this is how crazy it is, how, how much we're winning. We've got Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on board pushing our agenda. This $3.5 trillion bill, Bernie wrote it, Biden backs it, and we're winning. <laughs> That's the good news. And that is the bad news for the rest of America. The socialist, the communist, say they're winning. What comes next? <laughs>